All right, here we go on a Tuesday. It's Cody and Gold. Alex Gold, Cody Tap, Drew Nixon with you. Hope uh, those of you that were off yesterday had a fantastic weekend. Uh, I think a much-needed weekend for a lot of people. For those of you that did work, we appreciate you even more. We're with you for the next four hours. Coming up in about 40 minutes, we'll be joined by the defensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs, Steve Spagnolo. We'll get his thoughts, obviously. It's now already been over a week since this organization won back-to-back championships. And Feels like a year I know it does. Well, a lot, unfortunately, a lot Ooh. has happened. Yeah, a lot has happened since last Sunday. So we'll get into that with him. And uh, I think this defense in the past had taken time to get things figured out, maybe four, five, six weeks. And we know right away they were one of the best defenses. It did not take a month or two in the season. They were that way literally from opening night. We didn't know it at the time how good they were going to be. But from opening night, even in a losing effort to the Lions, without Chris Jones, that defense played great. And we'll, we'll talk to him about that progression and, and throughout the season. Uh, plus, just his future. We know he signed a contract extension to stay in Kansas City. That extension came uh, last Wednesday. So Steve Spagnuolo going to join us in 40 minutes. You, you have a good weekend? You guys Fine. good? Since we were off for President's Day, do you want to announce your favorite president of all time? Oh, no. <laughs> no. Are you just like a classic Lincoln Washington guy? Um, Big I, Rutherford B. Hayes dude? Who's yeah. your guy? Uh, I don't. I don't have a guy. I'll be honest. Uh, <laughs> you don't have I don't. One? I don't. I really uh, don't. Okay. What's your favorite dollar bill? Uh, other than I guess a yeah. hundred. My and least favorite is William Henry Harrison because oh, yeah? I we had to draw names for an American citizenship class once. Every president available, you had to do like a ten-page paper on their presidency, specifically of their presidency, and I got that idiot who died thirty days into it because Dum Dum didn't wear a coat. Got pneumonia and died. So that's my least favorite. I feel pretty strongly about that because I had to write a big, huge, long paper about that dump. I, I was like, can I say that? <laughs> Either way, screw that guy. Okay. Just wear a jacket. Maybe you could have been president longer, man. Yeah, I, I don't I don't have a direct answer for you on that one, Cody. I'll stay away from that discussion. You can just go old-timey president. Be relatively safe. Although you'll find out they did some like horrible stuff. It'll turn out like Warren G. Harding was just like a monster or something. I haven't studied enough about the presidents to know for sure. Sounds like Drew. Uh, it sounds like Drew had a was ready to roll with an answer right away. No, I was no. Not. Okay. No, <laughs> yeah, it's not. Uh, it's not Richard Nixon. Even though our last names are the same, no relation. You could go with this. That would be an interesting answer, by the way. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. I would, I would have several follow-up be, questions. That would be an interesting answer. Yeah. Uh, be, uh, that would, I'll tell you this. Uh, there were definitely a few that were, were coming, about, coming up and, and popping up in my mind. Uh, that was not one of them. Uh, I, that was not one of the three that were circulating. Uh, that's like going to be, that's gonna be Cody's random like, question of the day today. It's yeah. just going to be. If we were on yesterday, probably. Uh-huh. Yeah. Your literal Matt Rushmore of Mount Rushmore's of presidents. Is that what you want to do? Is that what you're asking us to do here today on a, on a Tuesday in February? Yeah, but you can't use any of no, the no. current Mount the, Rushmore. The non-Mount fresh Rushmore. Not, uh-huh. Fresh Mount Rushmore. you got to put four new presidents on it. There you Let's go. Let's figure out where you're going. Uh, 913-586-7610. Jay Southland, tow service text line. It's officially the offseason, though, right? Today through early March is when teams will have a decision to make on franchise tagging players or not. We know the two here that everybody's going to be keeping an eye on are Chris Jones and Legereus Sneed. But how do the Chiefs approach this offseason? How do you think they should, knowing that the cap number might even be higher than we all thought heading into this season? Sell out. I mean this in the strongest conceivable way. Sell out. 
for the future. I know that it seems like simple or like, are you sure? And this team has done an incredible job at building for the long haul. I understand the importance of that. I know why that they settled into that methodology. And to this point, over a five-year span, that methodology has really worked. But win a Super Bowl this year, and you get a claim you're the greatest dynasty of all time. You'd be the only team to three-peat. Matter of fact, no other team has even made it back to the Super Bowl in that third year. Three missed the postseason entirely. Three lost before the conference title game, and a couple lost in their conference title game on their way to attempt a three-peat. Nobody's even made it back to the game. I've never been more convinced that if it means risking what two, three, four years from now means, sell out for the three-peat. Four Super Bowl titles have given the second most all-time, and then you have all the world to solve any of the problems cap-wise you create for going all in this year. No player is too expensive for me this year. Yeah, I mean, I think they... No future draft capital is too much. I think the Chiefs in the front office have shown, though, throughout this run that they're currently on, why they are a dynasty is that they haven't done necessarily uh, full on what you're saying. So they... But there's a time to do it, man. Sure, and, and when you're talking about three-peats and doing something that's never been done, there there obviously is that special aspect, legacy-wise, where that puts you as an organization, individual players, individual uh, leaders on the team. But... At the same time, why they have been so successful is they have taken a broader approach and, and, and looked at this not just in a one-year plan, but in a three, four, and sometimes five-year plan as well. And so I expect that's how they'll handle this. Now, they, if you were to get a direct answer, I'm, I imagine if Brett Veach was on the show, he would say, well, we're all in every year because we have Patrick Mahomes. You're, you're saying, though, that you don't care. It sounds like the consequence no, in a year or two. And, I I, and I'm telling you, I disagree with that logic a little bit because of what they have showed us that they know how to maintain this window. It looks well, like they're going to have... a long time, though, you know? I mean, sure. This, you know, you, I, I still think they're kind of in their window, but, I mean, five years is a long time to maintain, I, but they haven't maintained it 10 or 15. To me, now's not the time to differ and say, oh, let's just do what the Rams did a couple years ago and say, screw it, and, and, and be in trouble financially in two years. Continue to have a measured approach. They have a very young defense that they have to make some decisions on this offseason with Snead and Chris Jones in particular. We all know on the offensive side... Left tackle of the future, do they believe that's one in Morris? If not, they need to go find that piece. Wide receiver goes without saying. So I think they will continue to approach it in the same way. I hear you. Like Whatever whatever is necessary to go and win a, a third championship, sure, I don't know anybody's going to disagree with that, but I don't think they're ever going to just say, hey, we're going to sign a bunch of bad contracts just because of this year and screw us over in two years. Yeah, that's but, not their mentality, nor should it be. Now, and they don't all have to be, um, like, maybe not the best in the long term. I understand that. But bad doesn't equate to bad if you win the Super Bowl. We've talked about this with the trades that they've made. I don't think they went into the Kadarius tony trade thinking, oh, this trade doesn't make sense. But because they won the Super Bowl two times, no one really cares that the trade from a uh, draft pick compensation-wise still doesn't make sense. You wouldn't go back and make that trade unless you knew the butterfly effect of not winning the Super Bowl. You wouldn't give up a third for Tony because he hasn't produced at that level. What I'm saying is you be a little more fluid with future draft picks and specifically one thing that they have avoided that other teams that are in win-now mode do, which is the contract with the dummy years that is, I'll solve this problem down the road stuff. Yeah, that I don't, is, no, I don't think that so, That is man. like the Odell Beckham <laughs> version of like, screw it, I'll pay this guy for four years after this one if it puts another Super Bowl ring in our back pocket this year. I just feel like the ability to go out and win it again makes it worth the risk this time. I understand every time you can't do that, and in the long run, the Chiefs have to think, more about how they can keep this team 
in or around an AFC title game in Super Bowls again for the next 15 years. But when you got two in your back pocket in a row and three total with Mahomes, I feel like you can put a little caution. You can throw a little caution to win there. You said it there, though, with Patch Mahomes. He is 28 years old. There it now is definitely not the time to say, oh, wh- whatever the consequence. He's 38. The conse- really yeah, up. if he was Tom Brady at the time and he was 40 years old, then I'm with you. Like, hey, you only know you have a year or two of this guy left. Go ahead and, and mortgage the future. That seems like the exact opposite of what they should be doing when you have Patch Mahomes at 28 years old. You, you know that he can overcome some obstacles, yes, but also you don't want to screw over his season when he's 31 because of the decision you made when he was 28. And not to mention, we know just because you go out and spend money doesn't guarantee results. How many times have we brought up what the Buffalo Bills have tried to do recently? Which is build a, ro- build, sure, build a roster, though. Make signings. Von Miller was a signing. And it made a lot of sense. Like, hey, Von Miller's going to change things for you defensively. Uh, They brought him in to be a game wrecker and beat the Chiefs. And in a regular season game, he did that. But then he gets hurt, stuff you can't predict. And now he's old, and now it's a bad contract, and now they've got other pieces. My point being is it's not as simple as go spend X amount of dollars, you're guaranteed anything. And so the current measured approach, which is a good balance of they're going to spend some money. They're going to draft extremely well. It's the reason why this defense was as good as it is. It's, it's not because they went and signed a bunch of big-time free agents. It's because they drafted Trent McDuffie and Legereus Sneed and George Karloftis and Nick Bolton. And then they supplemented that with some key free agent signings and not even big signings. How, the story this whole year was the smart you know, price-conscious moves oh, of know. Drew Tranquil and Mike Edwards and Charles Aminahue. So I trust the front office to continue making measured deals like that. And, yeah, this offseason, I do expect one or two what we view as much bigger deals. I think that goes without saying, whether it's an extension for, for Snead or Jones or it's going outside the organization and signing a big-time wide receiver. I think they're positioned to do that, but they don't need to get crazy and like, hey, we'll trade away next year's second-round and third-round pick. To I'm go. fine with that. I, I don't need them to do that. I trust how they've approached it, and it's worked out pretty damn well, I would say. No, <laughs> honestly, they've done the opposite because, like, Tyree Kill was not a win-now move, or at least it didn't appear that way. It didn't matter. They traded him away, and they won back-to-back Super Bowls. So, obviously, they still think they could win with varied talent versus the same. They viewed that as a net zero move or a net positive move in that case. But they haven't taken and, – and, look, I get it. They're saying, hey, money doesn't equal winning, Cody. Like, you can't just, um, yeah. you know, like the Mets or the Yankees. I understand <laughs> that. But it can. It doesn't mean it never does either. Just because there are teams who take risks and it doesn't work out doesn't mean that taking risks always ends up in losing. Like, if you bring in Justin Jefferson, it doesn't mean it would be bad. No. That's the, the person that's, somebody mentioned in the text the, line. That's the dream scenario. Yeah, like, let's well, be realistic. Well, because be the realistic. Vikings don't want to pay him. Yeah, let's be realistic. Yeah, I, I would love for them to go and, and, and acquire Justin Jefferson, okay? I'm trying to be realistic. But it's not also as if they haven't spent money. Let's let's put that, you know, let's make that very clear they've been right up against the cap. So this notion of like, they just haven't been, no, they've been spending money already. It's not like they're sitting around mid season with $10 million in cap space. You know, they're sitting around mid season with $800,000 or $1.2 million in cap space. So they're, they're spending. This isn't baseball where you're like, man, those owners are just cheap. They won't spend enough money. 
when you're in the, they're spending right up against the cap. Oh, no, they're if, up if, against if the, the cap. Is, a lot. If the cap is 243 or it's 253, I can promise you the Chiefs, when it's all said and done, will be spending right up against the cap again. Fun hypothetical. I think I know where gold will stand on this, Cody, but if if you, you have to pick one, five total Super Bowls from Holmes, or he is the only quarterback in history, say the game goes on for another 150 years, he will be the only quarterback in history to three-peat, and he'll, but he only gets four. Which one are you taking? <laughs> so this, I'll let Cody think for a second. Here's why that is four a great, is very tempting. Uh, You'd be the only team to three-peat ever. I, I think it's a great question because I was just on in Boston yesterday the, on WEI, our sister station, and they, of course, were talking Brady, Mahomes, and the dynasty stuff. And they even agreed, though, the one thing that can cancel out Mahomes, Brady, head-to-head, and Mahomes losing is the three-peat. Yes. I don't think five rings cancels that out for a lot of people. In Kansas City, sure. I'm not talking about how we're going to view it. I'm talking about the masses. And the three-peat, everybody acknowledges if you do that, that's different. I think it's that worth more done. than the by loss to Brady in one said, individual uh, game with an injured roster. Now, with that said, I know how we felt right after the championship last Sunday night in the Monday and how all of us in Kansas City felt at that point in time. And experience that one more time or another two or three more times. I'll take another two or three. I will. Now for like the Mahomes, if, if your goal is just to be able to like, quote unquote, win the Brady Mahomes argument, then I think you're rooting for the three Pete more than the five, which is, that sounds weird. Um, but no, I'm rooting for the nub. Stack them up, stack the rings, man. Stack them up. It's hard to trade. It's hard to give up a ring. That's the problem. Drew's asking us to maybe give up two almost. Well, he said five. He gave, he gave a firm number. Either you get five rings or you get four, well, but they get a six complete been three too, I row. feel like six would have been too easy. I feel like you yeah. you, you would have the, taken six. The reason Fair. why I couldn't take it now, even though it would be very tempting, is uh, in this hypothetical, is that he's 28. Like, oh, God, I'm just going to say it's done? He just wins one this year, and then i got to watch him for 12 more years not win the Super Bowl again? That sounds brutal. That version of the story I do not like. <laughs> Which makes it obviously a more challenging acceptance, but I guess that is what it is. We'll get back into this Good a little thing bit I later on. That call. Thank yeah, God. We'll, we'll, we'll certainly get back into the the approach of the offseason again because today is the first day uh, in, in which teams can start to make that decision on franchise tags, and, and a big uh, deciding factor on how this offseason is going to go is what they try to do or don't do by Tuesday, March the fifth, which will be when teams have to designate franchise or transition players and. The two names that come to mind there, of course, are Legereus Sneed and, and Chris Jones, although a Chris Jones cap number just doesn't seem realistic because you'd be basically double ta- double tagging him at this point in time. Uh, but we can get into that a little bit later on. Uh, one thing that is going to continue to happen uh, for one Chiefs player, certainly during the offseason, is a continued uh, following of from paparazzi and otherwise, which is Travis Kelsey, as he's now in Australia, I guess. Is that right? Is that yeah, confirmed? Yeah, he's got a support. Okay. Got to support his lady, just like she supported him. And there was a bunch of random accounts that were making fake graphics over the weekend uh, as if uh, Taylor Swift and Travis were appearing on SNL together on April 20th or whatever. That's not true. It could be down the road, but it's not true at this point in time. And now uh, it seems, though, the future acting career is maybe going to heat up. According to Emily Smith at therap.com, and if you're like, wait, does she um, like does she know what she's talking about? Yeah, she um, she's pretty well in the beat and says that multiple top filmmakers, including White Lotus producer David Bernard, flew to Kansas City to talk to Kelsey about a reality TV show 
it hopes to produce and appear in. He also has interested parties from unscripted shows, scripted shows, comedy opportunities, and larger endorsements in this upcoming offseason. Travis Kelsey's getting ready to be a movie star. I don't know how to say it, anything else. That It terrifies me from how long he'll play perspective. Him having this much interest means he's got, like he doesn't have to keep beating up his body in order to earn tens of millions of dollars. Not just an incredibly successful podcast, but the guy who did White Lotus, that was like the one of the biggest shows of last year. That guy wants to work individually with Travis Kelsey. Also, what does a reality show with him look like? Is it like a deal or no deal? Like and he's hosting and it, it, he's it, hosting like a game show or it's like he's James Marsden and they're putting him in like regular circumstances, but he's pretending to be Travis Kelsey. I don't think that confused, like jury duty. I don't know if that would work just because of his level he's of fame now. Yeah. It's probably what you're discussing. Like, what's the uh, what's the dating show? Uh, uh, Love is Blind. Nick Lachey and them hosted. They're not actually in the dating oh, dude, show. I don't think he could ever be oh, in a dating show. Well, no, he's expressed serious regret over. Well, that. he's I mean, he's going to probably be engaged here very soon, right? That's what you've been telling me, my Taylor Swift insider. Yeah, uh, I've, be, I've stand by that estimate. Yeah, so so that's off. But maybe he could be the host of one of those, right? Like the, if Jesse Palmer can host The Bachelor, why can't Travis Kelsey host a show like that? Honestly, the way it works with these other studio shows, like if you're like CBS or Fox, eventually some guy comes out of the league who's younger and has talent, and they boot off one guy off the scene, Tony Gonzalez, and then they replace him with somebody else. Couldn't Travis Kelsey just directly replace James Palmer? It seems so. Football is the obvious end, but it sounds like his is going to be away from football and away from sports. Don't you believe that? I he he had that. Uh, two years ago, side hosting gig on, was it the ESPYs or where he was just kind of backstage doing some stuff. I I could see him doing things like that. Not that he's going to be Ryan Seacrest, but could he do some of that around award shows and be more of a host and, and, and have some fun with his personality. You're worried about what it means for like how long he's going to play. Yeah, Of course I do. I'm always concerned about that. Yeah. Well that, I mean, he's also just getting older. I don't believe that will cause him to retire like a year early. If that's what you're saying. I really don't because I think those opportunities aren't going anywhere. will exist whether it's in 2024 or 2026. I, I, especially if him and Taylor Swift continue to be a thing. So that, that opportunity is not going away anytime soon. I think he's done enough already that that's pretty much locked in now, how successful he'll be. He's going to have to be good at it. We all assume he's going to be very good at it, but he'll have to prove that down the road. Um, but he's going to have every opportunity to succeed. Do we assume he's going to be on every single one of her tour stops for like a month straight? Do you think they'll just live together? So she's in Australia, then like Singapore, then Tokyo. You got the like, whole schedule and tour schedule I mapped it out last night. Um, so that's why you got it all mapped out, huh? They also go to Paris. Oh, like, he'll be there a, for that one. <laughs> you know. There's a lot of, and London, there's a lot of great overseas stuff. And he was talking about how cool it is to travel. Now he's gotten a little bit older. Is he going to just like travel with her? You think for like a month straight? I saw a video of the place she's staying at in Melbourne. Dude, it's a 10,000 square foot hotel penthouse. It's got like nine bedrooms in it. It's got enough place for her, like her security to sleep too. Well, where, where did you think she was staying? I don't know. But she's it, was, worth, it was even fancier than I thought. She's worth a billion dollars. I mean, yeah, I, I didn't think with no disrespect to this hotel she's chain, but I didn't, in. I didn't think she was staying at a Holiday Inn. You know what I mean? Like I assumed she was staying at a very nice property everywhere she goes. And to answer your question, yeah, I, she went to just about every Kelsey game she down did, the stretch. So she could. I, I would like to think, and I believe he will, he will go and support her in the same way. So, yeah, I think he will be on tour with her for, for quite some time. Plus, not Don't to mention, he's going to, yeah, going to some amazing destinations and staying in some incredible places. Yeah, I think he flew out in her jet. 
So she just oh, of hit course. the jet. Of course. Hit the jet. Pick him up. Mm-hmm. Take him on out. And then they can, you know, cruise around together a little bit. God, what a life. What a life for both of them. But Travis is, I mean, over the last 12 months, life, over the last 12 months, his life has taken a completely another level, like a complete another level that he was at before. This has been her life for a very Sometime. long time. Like this. But then the story came out over the weekend. We, we kind of had known this, but for whatever reason, it became national news. We, we know Travis got the new house here locally or whatever. And like the store, some details came out of like why they had to move. And we assumed they were, his door and stuff. Yeah. Someone even at the new place. Uh, that's in the gated window. community. Not, think how creepy that is. Yeah. Scary, creepy, all of the above. Like that somebody knocked on your window at your home. And like there's real security threat with that when you're talking about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. And who knows how crazy some people are. The fact that you're in a not just a gated community, like if a gated community had a gated community inside of it, that's the level of yeah. like that's the type of neighborhood he was in. And you still got people knocking on your glass there. Like that's why she's got an unbelievable amount of security around her because you just can't, you know, you just never know. I was over the weekend. You had asked me how my weekend was. One thing I had thought about because yeah, did I you continue, go anywhere? Did you go to the movie or anything? You do anything uh, did like that? I did go to one movie with the with one of the kids. I wanted to see the Bob Marley movie. I didn't do. I ended up not doing that. So my we were all going to go see a movie. And then my daughter got a last minute invite to a birthday party for like a friend's like her best friend's uh, niece. And it was a pool party, so my kid was never going to turn that down. Not in a million years. A pool party? Inside, indoor, Okay. Indoor was, pool. Indoor was, pool. Relax. Pool party. Indoor in the, the winter. It's actually like the best time to yeah. have a pool party because you normally don't get to swim during that time. But so we took my son to go see. We went to go see me. That was it. Other than that, it was just like I, I was still a full week. I'm not even kidding. I was still a full week behind from the Super Bowl week. Yeah. I spent this entire three-day weekend putting my life back together <laughs> from the lead up to the Super Bowl, the entire week we were in Las Vegas, and then trying to, like, get our bearings back. We flew back on Monday, parade on Wednesday, and everything, yeah, you know, like, every a couple like, weeks. I spent the entire weekend putting the rest of it together. But one thing I had thought about as I continued to see the articles out, and then I saw yesterday John Sherman had spoken at spring training, giving a few more details about their upcoming stadium vote in April, is people could vote starting last Friday in Jackson County on this thing. I would say it's time to maybe put out your plans, Chiefs, like and further your plans, Royals. Like they're talking about right now that they're meeting with the property owners and the business owners down at the crossroads. That's their big hurdle right now, and understandably so because publicly that's never going to go over well. But as it sits, Chiefs need to start announcing something. It's been a full week since you won the Super Bowl. You're through all your obligations. you got to start announcing how you're going to spend some of this money. People can vote on this right now. Like, if you're an early voter in Jackson County, you're already deciding the fate of this. And I don't feel like there's enough information out from either side. Yeah, the the renovation details. What does a renovation look like? And, and all that has to come out here very, very soon. Uh, April 2nd is the actual election day. But you're right. Early voting for those that choose to do that is already out there. And I, I would think, Cody, it's got to come here very, very soon. We had Mark Donovan on during the Super Bowl Radio Row week. So I think it was that Wednesday or Thursday. I'm not sure. I can't remember the exact day. That seemed like forever ago. But we had him on, and and we asked him about the timeline. And he said, hey, we got to get through this Super Bowl and the parade, and then we expect to release some information. Well, we all know that was last Wednesday. I have no idea if anything was delayed because of the everything that occurred and the tragedy. And everything. I have well, no idea. Um, but you're right. I mean, it should that information should be coming out, and it needs to come out here very soon for for people to make a uh, 
adequate decision in their mind on, on what direction they want to go. I mean, that date's going to come up a lot quicker. You think the Royals play a baseball game, like a, an actual <laughs> baseball game on Friday. You can hear that game right here on 610 Sports Radio. I think the Royals just announced their full broadcast schedule. So if you want to see which games will be on 610, which games will be over on 1660, the score, or which ones you can catch on Valley TV for now. I don't really know. Haven't heard anything more on the uh, No, the I know that they're yet. airing some Bally games for preseason. I, I saw that. So I don't, Okay. For spring training, they're going to have some training. on Amazon? That's a good sign. Or, no, oh. for Bally. Oh, for Bally. Okay. So I, you know, I don't really know okay. how that's going to look, but at least some version what? of it. But they got to start putting out information. Otherwise, you don't give people enough time to digest it. So I agree with you on the info. Do you think, though, if you're... Is is the information going to sway anybody? I guess if we're being real, like, am I curious about... You think people have already made up their mind? I I do. I really do. If you're someone that is voting yes or you're someone that's voting no on April 2nd, whatever side you're on, with the information that has come out, maybe I'm wrong entirely here, but if I'm someone that's voting no, let's say, and all of a sudden the Chiefs put out renovation plans and they're like, man, we're going to add something that's amazing to the third level of the stadium, 300 level of the stadium. Are you really like, you know what? Now I, I'm voting yes. I, I don't I don't I want to know more and people should have the information sure. to make an educated decision in their mind. But I don't know if that bit of information like is that include a new video board or oh wow they're gonna have a little concert venue in the parking lot. Is that is that going to sway someone? I, I think the answer is no, but I could be wrong. I, I seriously doubt that we're gonna get the yes, the firm yes and firm no, right? Um we've talked to both sides of that argument. I don't think we're gonna I don't think you're gonna sway either person who would vote that way. But the people who are in between who just feel like like a lot of voters are undecided because they don't know anything. They're like, I don't know if I'm supposed to vote on this. I have to study the ballot because like I've gotten stuck on like I personally have gotten stuck on a ballot question. I'm like, OK, I missed this one somehow when I was doing my research. I don't know what this thing's about, which means I'm not comfortable voting on it. So I'm just not going to choose a side. You don't want someone not choosing a side either. You want them sure. deciding for you. I think that those are the people they're probably trying to attract. So we'll, we'll find out if any information comes in that, and we'll let you know. Coming up next, though, a little update in college football. Some news just coming out in the last few minutes, and you hit on it. Full squads reported yesterday. So let's talk a little Royals baseball before the defensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs, Steve Spagnola, joins us here on 610 Sports Radio. Back here on Cody and Gold, Alex Gold, Cody Tap, Drew Nixon. We'll be joined by Chiefs Defensive Coordinator Steve Spagnolo coming up in about seven minutes or so. Real quick, did want to pass along a little bit of college football news. I think some of this was expected at, at least, uh, but now it has been confirmed. It has to do with the college football playoff, and it's now been approved that the uh, five, what they call the five-seven format for the twelve-team field starting next season. What that is is the five highest-ranked conference champs automatically will get in plus the next seven highest ranked teams as determined by the selection committee. So at one point there was always a discussion that the highest ranked group of five team were going to be guaranteed a spot. Not necessarily. It is the five champs that are highest ranked and then the next seven quote unquote best teams are highest ranked teams. So no automatic yeah. bids. No, although if you're the five, if you're a conference champ, I mean, in a way, you're going to be in the top 12. Yeah. Right. But no, you know, if you're a, a, a non-power five school, you're James Madison it, last year and you actually went out, you might be flirting you, with you got to be top 12. If you're a group of five, you know where you got to be now. You have to be top 12 and not this. Oh, we could have been 19th, but we were the highest group of five. You have to be top 12 in order to get in. You and I both know, though, based on the way that these things get voted on. If you're an undefeated group of five school, 
they're going to make you top 12. I would think. Maybe 12. <laughs> I would think. But they're going to flirt with you in that category. Unless, look, the only way in which it doesn't happen is if you're going up against like Alabama at 12. Then you're screwed. You're up against an S- you're up against an SEC or Big Ten powerhouse. If Ohio State is between 12 and 13, sorry. D- sorry that you got left out, but that's just life. Outside of that, like if it were Missouri this year or James Madison, that's not the example because James Madison didn't win out. But if sure. James Madison was like 13 or 14, Missouri was 12, and they were a three loss, I think that they would put in the undefeated team. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's uh, idealist, but I'm pretty sure they would. I wonder what the discussion will be, because you know it'll happen. We'll be sitting here, guys, in December, right around the, the college ball playoff selection show and all that. And you know, in, in the past, like this year, we know the huge controversy was around Florida State. And would they get in? Would they not get in? We know they did not get in. And I'll just tell you right now, I don't care – Cody, if it involves, and you can you can hold me to this, if this involves Kansas and they're 13 and they're left out, obviously I'll be bummed. But I don't want to hear a single oh, argument. 12? Yeah. Tw- like if, if you were 14th and you thought you should have 12, there's 12 spots. You didn't do enough to get it. Well, I'd be bummed out if my alma mater, of course. But you can hold me to this. I, you, you cannot bitch and moan the same way you do when you're 5th versus 4 if you're 13 versus 12. And I, and I know that will happen still. Of course it will. There's teams who are doing the tournament yeah, all the time. Yeah, and, and, I, and I laugh and at that. And that's of 68. Yeah, if you, if you can't be one of the 68 teams that made the NCAA tournament, I really don't want to hear you complaining because you only won 17 games in the regular, you know, in, in, yeah. the, in the regular season. Like, but somebody that, had more quad one wins. No one cares. Yeah, I mean, so I, I'm excited about the expansion of the playoff because I do think for all three local schools, it gives them a real chance to get in. Missouri's got a great chance to get in this year. Yeah, believe it or not, Kansas, because of schedule and everything, has, a, a, good has a decent chance to get to Dallas. And if you can get to Dallas and see what happens, and we just told you, if you're a highest-ranked conference champion, you're going to get in. So I think all three schools have an opportunity uh, to at least get one of these local schools. Like next year, I would love if I get, could bet on uh, not each one individually, but just give me the the three. Will, will one of the three local schools get in into the college football playoff? I think the answer to that is yes. I, I would, would be I the favorite, bet, but yes. I think so. Yes. I would bet yes. My guess is I could still get plus money on that for sure. They probably wouldn't host a, a no, game, but, yeah. but they would get in. I, I do think the thing that's interesting about this is the 5-7, I think, is mainly because of the Pac-12 basically dissolving. A group yep. of five team is going to get in because of because I don't think it's considered a conference. Right. Any, I mean, it's considered a conference, but also the the, the Pac-12 li- winner is not going to just get a shoe in. The, the likelihood anymore. of Washington State and Oregon State being higher ranked than Boise State this year or another group of five team is probably slim because Boise because but, Washington uh, what, State and Oregon State's playing a Mountain West schedule. Correct me if I'm wrong. How I'm reading this though, like, are we sure that's how that's going to play? It says the five highest ranked. Conference champ, you don't think if in, in a combination, like they're, they're talking about, you think there will be. Oh, you're saying they're giving the Pac-12 the edge here. Well, I'm just I'm, I'm just trying to talk it out. We know the Pac-12, the, the two schools that are left, uh, Washington State and Oregon State. Yes. They have a scheduling deal with the Mountain West. They, but it does, they, They're playing, they're, they're not a part of the Mountain West. Correct, they're they're but they, separate, but, they, but they're they playing, I think, oh, six or point. seven games Mountain West. So games, yes. they have a deal with the Mountain West. They're not, they're not, they can't be the. The, the Mountain the, West champ. Correct. correct. But let's say the Mountain West has the higher ranked team in our conference champion. Yeah. You're right. They might get a host of home game. Like, so that I, I don't Instead think Pac 12. So I, I don't think it's impossible that the Pac 12 could still get a team in. Now, it's it's good for a Mountain West school. You mentioned Boise State or whoever. 
if you let, let's say Washington State or Oregon State is good next year, you obviously have another opportunity to get a big time win. And usually by the time it gets to November, there's not many big time wins left for a Mountain mm-hmm. West school to get. All of a sudden, I don't know what the schedule is if it's already out, but when let, let's say you're already a one loss Boise State team but you get to play Oregon State, who's pretty decent, let's just say, next year, and you play them in November, you win that game, all of a sudden you might end up being a higher-ranked team as a conference champ, even in a non-Power 5. Compared to yeah. Appalachian State or whatever, who might sure. be because who might win the Sun Belt. I think that, that's what makes it interesting, is with the Pac-12 dissolving, that's why they went 5-7. You know, five, five, yeah, so we'll see how this, this ends up playing out. Um, I, you know, I already placed, and there's a couple. You should still get on board, Cody. There's, I have Which a couple. One? I got three. National championship bets that I already made. Now, I'm going to make more once we can just bet on to make the college football playoff. But to win the Natty, and I, I told you this is just to set up a hedging opportunity. Uh, I have a ticket on Missouri okay. to win the national championship. I have a ticket on KU and a ticket on Boise State. Those are the three that I have bets on. I made them over a month ago, well over a month ago. Well, if all three of them make the college oh. football playoff, well, then you have a dream hedge scenario. Right. Where you almost... You know, like you almost will be. It'd be shocking if you didn't get an opportunity. Here were the odds. So. And, and of those three, I'll be honest. I like Missouri's chances well, the course. best. Of course, um, I think they're the better team out of the three next year. But I, I think, be, like this is a really underrated thing. Before we talk to Chiefs defensive coordinator Steve Spagnola, but I a really underrated thing is Iowa State's offensive coordinator leaving for the pros to be a quarterback coach because. That was one of the teams that could stand in Kansas's way, and now they're without their offensive mind. If you're wondering, Missouri, so they were 50 to one at the time uh, to win the national championship this upcoming season. They're down to 30 to one, and then KU was sitting at 200 to one, and uh, Boise State 500 to one. Some uh, good odds on those. So again, college football news uh, today. They just finalized the format, so the five highest ranked conference champions plus the next seven highest ranked teams determined by the college football selection committee. Let's get back to the Chiefs, though, and believe it or not, it's been already over a week since the Chiefs won back-to-back championships, and the defensive coordinator in charge of that defense that was so dominant throughout this season joins us now. Steve Spagnuolo with us on 610 Sports Radio. Coach, great to have you on the show. Have you had a chance now, a little over a week removed, to maybe sit back a little bit and uh, and kind of soak this whole thing in? (laughs) Well, that's what we're trying to do right now. It's kind of a little unbelievable, but I appreciate you guys, Alex and Cody, having me on. Always nice to talk to people back in Kansas City. I actually am in Florida right now, so I am trying to embrace it all. Uh, pretty unbelievable. So a week after, you're just going to go sit on a beach. Is it just like my ties? Is that like your ideal week after the Super Bowl situation? Yeah, you know what it is, guys? It's spend as much time with Maria as I possibly can. And the best way to do that is to get out of town and uh, just kind of kick back. But we have family down here, and so it's a little bit about that. You know, it's an eight-month grind, a nine-month grind, whatever we go through, so... As much as I can spend time with family in the offseason, that's what I try to do. See, but you know what, guys? The, the combine's right around the corner, so we'll be there next week. Seeing how, like, and look, I'm married too, Steve, so I, I get how this might work. I'm <laughs> guessing because she's got to say yes to your schedule nine months out of the year, that anything she wants yeah. to do during this time, that's a yes. Amen. You're, you're right <laughs> on. You're, you're dead on on that. You're dead on. But she's great. Listen, uh, I enjoy it, and it's fun to be able to kick back, especially after – what happened, which is uh, just a blessing. You know, uh, we, we, we saw all the T-shirts and, and Spags We Trust shirts. Justin Reed, I saw, is doing another batch of shirts as well, as they've been oh, very boy. popular, Coach. I know I know. <laughs> after the game, at that point of the AFC title game, you mentioned you were even maybe a little embarrassed by it. But I, I would assume, yeah. though, you got family. I mean, does the whole family have the shirts? <laughs> well, first of all, I'm still embarrassed by it. <laughs> I've been trying to burn as many as I could. And only only because it's just not me. But listen. 
I love the love. The love is mutual with Justin and all the guys. And, yeah, a couple of family members did get it. And uh, so every once in a while I do have to look at it. But, listen, it's all because we got a group of guys that, listen, bought in and, and did a heck of a job because you know, nobody nobody trusts anybody until it's, unless it's a two-way street. And those guys were terrific. And thank God we were able to do what we did. In some years up in St. Joe at training camp, you would you would always step up to the mic and, and mention that with a younger group, yeah, it could you know it could be four plus weeks maybe before this thing really gets rolling. But it, it appeared at least from the outside that from opening night, even in a losing effort against Detroit, that you had this defense playing at an elite level almost immediately. Why did this group have so much success right away? You know, um, I think if it, if we all look back at it, I think the what we went through two years ago, the twenty. 22 season, you know, with how young we were and we kind of built and got better and better. And then it, you know, it culminated in a, in a Super Bowl win. I think that gives everybody a lot of confidence. So I think when the guys came back, um, they had a lot of confidence in what we were doing, but you add that to the fact that we brought in what I thought were three key free agents, Mike Edwards, two tranquil and Charles Amenahue. And even though we didn't have Charles for a stretch there when he was suspended, I thought adding those guys in there uh, gave us a huge jump. And I think, you know, we just kind of picked up where we left off uh, the prior year. And, you know, Justin Reed was now his second year in the system. Because remember, when he came two years ago, it was all new to him. Uh, and any, there's always a transition and a learning curve when guys come to new systems. It doesn't matter what the system is. But I just think we were all together. You know, I, I keep going back to this, guys. You've probably heard me say it before. But when the guy in the middle, and I'm talking about Nick Bolton, when he's as high an IQ player as he is I think it makes all the other 10 guys around him that much better I think that had a lot to do with it how often in the season I I had heard your interview where you were talking about that that third and five play that McDuffie comes up with a stop where you guys are able to get the ball back at a time that could have ended the game how often do you ask Nick in the middle of the game like hey do you think this play is going to work because it sounded (laughs) like the the way you described it was you liked it you thought it was going to work but you wanted a second opinion from Nick yeah, so there are many times over on the sideline, you know, in between series that Nick and I are having conversations about, you know, what he's hearing, seeing, what he likes, what I like, and there's always go between there. Now, that one was a little unique, the situation you're talking about. What helped us was when San Francisco let it come down to the two-minute warning, and you guys know what the commercial breaks are like in the Super Bowl. We have a lot of time there. So, you know, anytime you have extra time to think about it, we had one call that we had made that we were going to run if they ran a play. When I went to two minutes and we had the extra time, uh, the guy, this is what you heard me describe. I had another thought in mind. I went to my fourth down call list, and I looked at a call there. And I just said, I'm going to see what Nick thinks about this. And when I pressed the button to talk, you know, he can't talk back. He can just hear me. But I was looking for his reaction, his body language when I asked him. And in a minute, I said, how about this? He was shaking his head. He was giving the signal. He was all for it. So he had a gut feeling. I had a gut feeling. And I knew that if both of us felt the same way, it might be something we should do. And, you know, fortunately for us, our guys went out and executed, and it worked out pretty good. We're talking to Chiefs defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo here on 610 Sports Radio. We also heard after the game, uh, I believe it was Justin Reed had mentioned, that down the stretch of that game, you, know, you guys maybe showed some things that you hadn't used all season long, and, and, and the players reacted to that, obviously, in an extremely positive way. How often when we're talking about in-game adjustments, it's something that just from the outside we throw there and, and say, man, it seems like you, you might be one of the best at in-game adjustments as a defensive coordinator. I, I guess if you could take us into that thought process and, and why that is something that has been so 
uh, important and successful for you in this defense? Yeah. Um, listen, I think every coach in the league is doing that constantly. We do it a lot. The assistant coaches play a big part in that. I mean, you know, Joe and Brendan and Dave and Donald and Terry and all those guys, Alex and Rod, they're always kind of giving feedback. Uh, it's a collaborated effort. The, the unique thing about this group and what is so special about them is we just felt as a group of coaches that, you know, whatever we fed these guys, they would embrace and run with it. Now, not every group does that. Some guys like to stay in their own little comfort zone and not change things. But this group embraces that because they're a very high cerebral, high IQ group. At halftime in this particular game, when we made those couple of things that Justin Reed's talking about, I mean, they were, they were calls that we had somewhere during the season. We just didn't practice them that week. Sometimes I get a little skittish on, you know, doing something we haven't practiced. But with this group, you know that they're going to be able to pick up on it. And when they're nodding their head at halftime about, yeah, let's, let's do that, let's try to do this, um, it just makes you feel confident as a coach to call it. And that's what we did. I think, I think those adjustments we made, uh, particularly at halftime, helped us in the – I believe you guys would have to check for me, but I think we went three, three and outs in the second half, which was really, really key to get the, keep getting the ball back to Patrick. Um, but that's because we got a group of guys that – embrace change and, and are willing to do anything. It's, it's, it's special to have. I think one thing that stood out about the defense is that there was no weak level defensive line, linebacker, corner, safety, didn't matter. You guys had talent everywhere. I mean, just from that perspective alone, does this make the most talented defense you've ever coached? Uh, that's a tough call. Cause I, listen, I've been blessed to be on a bunch of really good ones in some there at Kansas city. I mean, you know, we had talent in 2019 when we won, it took a little while to get going and then, you know, there were other years and, you know, certainly along the way in New York and some other places. But as a, you know, I keep coming back to this. This is what the difference was for me because I think you can find talent everywhere. Uh, and, you know, Brett does a great job, Brett Veach, get, getting us talent for us. But I'm, I always rely on the, the football intelligence, what I call football get it. And this was the highest number of guys in one group that really had a high IQ or really good football, get it. And sometimes you work with units that have, you know, there's, you know, seven out of the 11 starters and the other guys that kind of just, you know, they just, somebody helps them along the way. But this group to a man, they get football, they love football, they're passionate about it. uh, And they embrace doing anything. And that's a, that's a nice thing to have. Was this game Trip McDuffie's coming out party? I feel like here locally, we've continued (laughs) to say he plays at that level, but when you aren't the interception guy, Spags, Sometimes yeah. people nationally lose sight of you a little bit. We felt like this might have been the best game of his career. I thought it was, too. It's a great point you're making about the interceptions. You know, when he, when he did get that, uh, you know, he, he's an, he was elected as one of the All-Pros, right, for this season. Um, well, not Pro Bowl, but uh, I think the All-Pro. Yeah, All-Pro. Yeah, second team yeah. All-Pro, I think. And I said to him after he got that, I said, Trent, that's an extra, to me, that's even more respect than most other DBs because when you do that and you don't have an interception, I think people recognize and respect the work that you're doing because let's face it, a lot of times those teams, right, people look at stats and and they say, okay, the guy with the highest interceptions, he must be really good, so let's vote him in. But with him not doing that, I thought it was an extreme compliment to Trent, his ability and what he does. And Listen, you guys have heard me say this before. The one thing about coverage guys is if they're doing their job at an elite level, Sometimes you never hear about them because the quarterback's not throwing it there. And so for Trent to have gotten that kind of recognition, I thought was 
extreme. I, I still don't understand why LJ doesn't get the same, but, you know, everybody's different. But getting back to Trent, that kid, the key play he made in the end zone was huge. The, the blitz that he made for knockdown was huge. And he has other tackles throughout the game, and he's covering guys. I mean, he's, he's a real key to what we do. Him and all those DBs back there are huge. Just another minute or two with Chiefs defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo here on 610 Sports Radio. Uh, when, we, when we look at uh, this, this particular run that this team is on, it seems like the players already very quickly, not shying away, though, Coach, from, from talking 3 P. What's your reaction to that? <laughs> well, listen, we got, I, think, I think these elite athletes that we have in any professional sport, right, they're prideful guys, and they just believe in themselves. So if that's the next challenge, they're all for it. They love a challenge. This group and I'm sure every group, I mean, you hear it from basketball players, hockey players, uh, you know, baseball players. The minute they win one, they want to win another. And I think that's great. I mean, we've got to have a goal. And if that's the next challenge, then that's what we've got to shoot for. And we know you're, you're obviously at least back uh, for, for this three-peat run with the contract extension to stay in KC. But we, we've been surprised you, you haven't got another crack at a head coaching gig. Is that something that you're still interested in? Well, listen, I'll answer it the same way I have been. It'd be great. Um, we always embrace it. We just got done talking about pride, and guys, I have some pride, too, as a, we all do as coaches. So a second chance, yeah, it'd be great. But if not, I always follow up with this. I feel really blessed to, to have the job I have, work for the head coach we have, the organization I'm involved with. So uh, if it's God's will to have a, another head job, great. We'll just we'll put, pin our ears back and go. And if not, I'll put every effort into the job that I have right here and enjoy every minute of it. You've got four Super Bowl rings, Coach. How do you uh, handle storing them? I think <laughs> Travis's brother Jason reportedly had you know left his in his truck for a little bit. Do you keep oh, them boy. in a more secure location than that? Yeah, I do. My my Maria takes care of that. They're in a safety deposit box somewhere. It's funny, guys. You know, it, listen, blessed to have four Super Bowl rings. You very rarely do get to wear them. Uh, <laughs> you know, they're so huge and they're beautiful. They're wonderful. Love them. I guess someday I'll put them all on sometime, and I don't know go to a banquet or something but you know we're not real flashy people so we, but i will tell you this the, the most of all it, it's not as much about the rings and we all love that but it the relationships that you cherish the you know the later on down the road the 10-year anniversaries those will be really really special because of the you'll remember the guys you did it with and, and all the memories along the way that'll be what's really special coach appreciate the time uh, hopefully you get to spend some time here relax a little bit enjoy another super bowl and uh, we'll, we'll catch up a little bit later on this offseason okay guys appreciate you having me on have a great day there you go that's steve spagnolo chief's defensive coordinator of course did sign that contract extension a little less than a, than a week ago and uh, yeah he's made it very clear that you know if an opportunity ever came obviously he'd love to be a head coach again but he uh has a chance as a as a defensive coordinator and as an assistant to continue to expand on you know, I think there'll be a stronger push, especially if he's part of a three-peat yeah, on top of it. This is ageism. Hall, I mean, talking about a Hall – well, I'm not even just talking about a head coach. I'm talking about Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. Well, look, if he – I already think he's got an argument for yeah. Hall of Fame. I understand it's always a difficult conversation when you aren't the head coach. But he has an argument for the single greatest coordinator of all time. He's got four Super Bowl rings. He stopped the world's greatest offense. Let's face it. He won a Super Bowl against a team that was undefeated going into it as a coordinator. He's now completed a second ba- or completed a back-to-back. Has won three Super Bowls in Kansas City. If he's a part of a three-peat or just another Super Bowl championship here, he'll be a five-time Super Bowl champion coordinator. He's the only one. I think he's the only coordinator to win with two different organizations or one of two. Like there aren't that many guys who have even done what he's done from that perspective. 
I think it's, the reason why he's got a head coaching, it's just ageism stuff. If he were Josh McDaniels' age, he'd have already gotten another opportunity. Let's, I mean, just straight no, up. No, I think it's Somebody very else would have given him a job. I, I think that's a huge, huge part of the equation. I think it's that, and I also think a small part, not that there haven't been defensive coordinators hired. In general, there are fewer. away from that. Yeah. You know, more, more and more GMs and owners are hiring the offensive mind. So let's say in a cycle where there's six or seven openings, which is kind of the average, out of those, there's what, maybe two of the six or seven that are defensive hires to begin with. And then you factor in what you're discussing, which is clearly, I think, some of it being an age thing. But he's been incredible. Again, hey, selfishly, great news for Kansas City. That, yeah. That's how other teams are approaching it because he has been f- fantastic. And you heard him talk about uh, Nick Bolton and um, the the trust and, and how smart of a defense that they have. He, you know, you asked him the question of just like, is it the best? He, w- he didn't want to go that far. Is it the most talented? But, he said- uh, most talented, but from a uh, IQ standpoint, and, and, and what do you say? Get it. Yep. Uh, this is that. This is that team. Pretty cool to hear. Thanks to Spags for joining us on Cody and Gold. Coming up next, though, where the cap is heading. And this is a great sign for the Chiefs long term window. And one thing we've already noticed out at Royal Spring Trading next here on Cody and Gold. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Clock hour, Cody and Gold. Alex Gold, Cody Tap, Drew Nixon with you. We'll get to the trash of the day in 20 minutes. You guys can always hit us up on the J Southland Tow Service text line 913 5867 610. We'll talk a little Royals baseball here in eight minutes or so because spring training is underway. Uh, and we'll squatch yesterday. Pretty soon you'll hear the, 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 the crack of the bat and the pop of the glove and all that coming up. Uh, on Friday, right here on 610 Sports Radio for the first spring training game. So we'll get to that in a second. Uh, But this next two-week period is crucial for franchise tag situations, but also uh, where the cap in the NFL is heading. We know it goes up every year other than the COVID year, which was uh, hopefully something we don't don't see again from, from the impact of that, obviously. But when you add in all these new TV deals, when they add in a Black Friday game like they did, when sports they add sports wagering. wagering money and all these deals they have with the, the sports gambling companies, the cap is going to go up even maybe at a quicker rate. And that's the weird uh, dilemma almost. So their initial projection was like 242, $243 million. There's some thought that if they really don't limit it, that it should actually go up north of 250 which is incredible news to be the chief spot because of the fact you already got the quarterback contract signed and you have the best quarterback in the league. It's a problem for some teams that might be trying to pay a quarterback in a year or two. It's a much bigger problem for them or the teams that want to pay high priced wide receivers or anything that's coming out of that. This is going to come at the best possible time. We just got to convince the NFL to not cap it. I understand their fear over it. Gold. It does actually kind of make sense. They're like, boy, if we just let this thing run wild, then what are teams going to do? And the answer is they will front load the hell out of a few deals. If you're signing a new quarterback or a wide receiver, you will give a huge number 
to a player in year one and buy yourself all kinds of runway going forward. The reason why this is massively beneficial to the Chiefs is the whole point of Patrick Mahomes' contract is that you can take away cap numbers so you can pay whoever. Patrick Mahomes, this upcoming year, can move 25 or $30 million in cap space gold if they want him to to provide the Chiefs space to add to this team. Imagine a world in which they don't have to move any of it. They could pay him every cent of his deal gold. That's not how they had planned on signing him. They always thought they'd have to move the amount of money they needed every year. All right, we need 12 this year. We need 15 next. We need eight this one. And if all of a sudden they got to pay him full freight, that sets them up two, three, four, five years down the road on this deal. And I know eventually they're going to have to tear it up and redo it. But again, another good thing. But for a couple of years, Patrick Mahomes' cap number against the actual money they would get to spend would be incredibly cost prohibitive while they have a young roster. If the cap really jumps to 245 or if they had <laughs> let it balloon to 250, 252, like we were talking about, the team it would help the most in the entire NFL is the Chiefs. It might also, like, it would help some of the teams you don't want it to, right? Cincinnati, it would help Dallas, some of these teams that are a little tighter up against it. Buffalo, who's just buried in it as far as having to get under. Yeah, it helps everybody, but when you, when you, already, the have, most. When you already have the most important position and the best player at that same position locked up, even if you're going to restructure it in a couple of years, yeah, the, the advantage that you have is massive. It's also just a good sign, even if it doesn't take the, the massive, massive jump to 250, that you know what's coming in the future. Like, And we know that the cap experts involved in all these organizations are projecting. They have to. They, don't, they look out multiple years in advance, and, and, and they have a feel for where they're going to be and where the cap's going to be and all that. But if you're projection is actually lower that's even better you never want to over project the number and then be screwed if you're lower and it just happens to be higher even better situation and all of a sudden that that deal you think couldn't happen maybe you're actually able to make work now the longer term deal it's not always the the impact in what the cap is in in this case 2024 but what do they think the cap will be in five and 25 and 26 and if it jumps this much a lot dude it's going way up and that might go into their decision making process with legerius sneed and chris jones those are the two players we're all keeping an eye on for obvious franchise tag reasons if it's a tag for chris jones it's north of 32 million you got a double tag them doesn't seem realistic imagine a one-year cap at 32 million dollars but if the cap's going to jump up massively you might be able to find ways to give multiple extensions out maybe it's not a tag for him but maybe it's a extension for chris jones a tag for legerius need an extension for sneed next year knowing that the cap is going to continue to go up at this rate i don't remember gold you have to remind me maybe you remember i don't remember which like former nfl exec we had on this show but his exact maybe it was you know it might have been joel Corey. Joel Corey on the show, former NFL agent, I think this is who said it. He said, just as long as the cap goes up 5 to 7% per year, you can essentially outrun it forever. Yeah, And it's going up way more than that projected over the next couple of years based on these numbers. I, I think the tag situation for Snead, yes, makes more sense. One, because it's $18.8 million or so versus 32. And it still allows you to negotiate a long-term deal, buy you some time if that's what's needed. I, I just don't know if I believe that if Chris Jones just goes to the free market, in the open market that they're able to get a deal done because I know everything he said at the parade and it's great. And I, we all loved hearing it. All right. But then the reality yeah. sets in for both parties. Like, do I think deep down Chris Jones wants to be in Kansas city? Does. Absolutely. Do I think the chiefs deep down want Chris Jones in Kansas city? Absolutely. But then the business reality sets in and what's, what's the give or take uh, uh, for both sides here. We start using the word discount and why should a player do that? Is the discount on years is the discount on guaranteed money. What does that look like? 
I wonder, though, if you go and actually see the open market, if you're Chris Jones, as much as you love KC, when a team that's not nearly as competitive as Kansas City, they offer you, though, exactly the dollar amount you want because they can, because they're a little more desperate and they're just in a different spot financially. Are you able to turn that down? It's It's an individual decision. Some guys do. Some guys don't. But as you know, when there's 31 other teams that can offer you versus, oh, you're tagged and you can only negotiate with the Chiefs, it's different. And that's my worry. If you're telling me if Chris Jones doesn't get tagged, do I think he's back in Kansas City? I think automatically the likelihood drops significantly because it's got to be tempting when all of a sudden some other teams won't offer you a three-plus-year deal almost identical to the money that you that you wanted. Because we know last year, the same conversation, they tagged him, so they there was just between the Chiefs and and Chris Jones' agents. But last year, if he would have hit the open market, he would have got the exact deal he wanted. Yeah, he would have. And I guess here's the, here's the problem, is that he didn't accept it then. It was a discount last year, and he didn't take it, so it's hard to imagine that'd be the case. I think it asked about the procedural move the Chiefs made over the weekend a couple of times. Yeah. That's what it was, a they procedural just, move. <laughs> they were going to owe him the money either way. So all they did was give themselves exclusive negotiating rights to tag him. Yes. It does not mean that they will. They were going to have to pay him that money no matter what. It didn't actually mean anything as far as more or less likely that Chris Jones is here. It is just simply a move you make because you have to make. And if it gives you exclusive rights to negotiate with him, so what? He could be talking to other teams by now if you didn't do it. And you had to pay him one way or the other. You just want the option. That's all it is. Yeah, it gives you a chance to with three options. Tag, trade, and re-sign. I mean, it, it keeps that window open. As we said, they have till March 5th, 4th, 5th, uh, to go ahead and make a decision on both Snead and Chris Jones from a franchise tag uh, standpoint. And right now, my guess would be I would have a little bit more. already? Two weeks away. Yeah, when you're when you go to Super Bowls, the the off season is shorter. <laughs> it's quick, man. The off season is very short when you really think about it. the combine in Drew's hometown or whatever is here in in like three weeks or four weeks. Yeah, text lines like you guys are lazy. You're taking president staff company holiday, company holiday. I take <laughs> one day off, and all of a sudden we're two weeks outside of this. Also, somebody tried to disrespect us in the text line. Said what? Taking a day off. Got to the 18th ranked mid market oh, oh. midday show, and then got comfortable. I said, correction, sir. We are now the 14th. We are top 14 mid-market mm-hmm. midday show. So our comfort has only increased our likability. Yeah, it's a slow build. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's about building up a program. It takes some time, and we're, we're, working, we're working towards it. Five yeah. years, dude. We're, what are we building? Kansas? Yeah, so it's a long-term <laughs> plan. It's this a, is not, it's a long-term we're not transfer plan. portal, I guess. Yeah, I'll be honest. On a lot of those, it's, uh, longevity helps. You need, you need to be in the same spot for a little while, and all of a sudden you can, you can work your way up the charts. Almost to the radio show playoffs. That's Almost. right. Well, yeah, we got to get into top 12 so we can make the, 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 the playoffs. Yeah. How do you guys want to celebrate our fifth anniversary next year, you know? That's a, that's a marquee can... anniversary. I don't see. I think. You can't do that when I see, you know, Bob and Josh have done it for 13 years. They can celebrate whatever they want. 13 years, and they, they didn't have a huge 10 years. So I don't know how we can have a bigger five year than think, their 10 year. I think it's Wood. Isn't that the five year? Oh, 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 oh. Uh, is that right? I know what you're talking about. but I, Well, it's not sure. silver or gold. Those are way further. Or diamond. It's way further down. I think it's Wood. Uh, Wood. That's correct. We could plant a tree <laughs> in honor of the show. <laughs> what? We're going to have a... a an what? honorary tree, uh, an honorary tree planting ceremony. You know, that's all. Nine one three five eight six seven six ten. I'm open to suggestions. You, you guys can also, as you know, watch the show on Twitch, Facebook, YouTube. Subscribe. We would really appreciate that. 
uh, and uh, continue to, to like that and help us build the show up that way. Someone did comment that's watching on the stream and said, Alex, this is Coca-Cola. Put the smart water down. Pick up a propel. Today, I just, yeah, today I ended up going, it was just what we had in the vending machine area over there, and it's, uh, yeah, just a little, a little smart water. It's not flavor or anything. Just Why haven't you switched to just bringing in a, bringing in I a know, cup I of water? To. I need to. I used to have a thermos or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, just um, like a cup. I did, and then I need to get a new one is the answer. I don't need to buy a Stanley. I can buy the off-brand one. I don't care. Uh, I do need to get one of those. I got That's like probably... a million, like I got way too many water bottles at home. Let's bring you a random water bottle from the house, you know? I don't want a used water bottle. Used? They, they're dishes. You just clean them. I'm good. I appreciate the offer. Water bottles? I, You're yeah. drawing a line? On, it's not a plastic. I, it's I a, know. It's a, I, it's I just, a cup. I, I, I appreciate it. I'll, I'll, I'll just get my own. I, I, I do appreciate that offer, though. Hmm. Someone says the Wooten anniversary. That's it. Falls in line with our possibility of listen harder, listen longer. That's true. You know? Uh, More of those shirts for sale next year. We'll get to the trash of the day in about seven minutes or so. But baseball is right around the corner. We were joking about how short the offseason is for football. But baseball is right around the corner. Spring training game on 6-10 coming up on Friday. And and with that, I don't know. Like I, I sense a ton of energy around this team right now. And not just from those that are in Arizona. Because it's obvious it's easy to be optimistic when you're there in person. Yeah, and it's fresh. The weather's nice. Watching BP just yeah, feel yeah. good. But yeah, I, I truly mean that based off. I mean, how can you not? The AL Central, let's just call it like it is. The AL Central sucks. All right? It is a crappy division for baseball. It is. Don't need to Great. apologize for that. Fine by me. So if there was ever a division where a team could go from winning in the 50s to making the big leap and actually competing for a division, this is the circumstance that you could actually talk yourself into it. And I am talking myself into that, by the way. And there are certain players that aren't being asked to shoulder the load the same way they were in the past. Okay, so the bigger picture part I think we can get to in just a minute because I think you're on to something there as far as and not just because, like, I know people, the first tag is going to be, you're the home of the Royals, of course. No, just this is an easy time of year to get excited about baseball. And the Royals have made more moves in an offseason than they have in a very long time. But there was a player that I told you as they were getting called up, and I was covering the team when they were minor leaguers during that time. The minor league pitcher that I thought was the best out of the entire group of that one that was drafted was Daniel Lynch. I was convinced he was the goods. I thought he had better stuff than the other players. I thought he lined up to be a... At least two start in the league. I thought he had a chance to be an ace, all of those things. Look, things have not worked out that way. Between injuries, which have been a big setback for him, and inconsistent strike zone problems, Daniel Lynch has never really lived up to that. But he is under no pressure this year, which is fantastic news for him. When he got drafted, not just me, other people were talking about how he might be the best pitcher out of that. He was one of the first guys called up out of that grouping. He was a lefty with arm talent, so people immediately are drawn to that. He had all the pressure in the world. And at the time, they needed guys to actually fill in their rotation and be meaningful starters. Daniel Lynch isn't even being asked to start yet. We don't even know if he would be, like right now, I don't even think he'd be in a five-man rotation. Yeah, he's competing for that spot. There's numerous pitchers trying to compete for yeah, the him spot. Him and Lyles and a million yeah. others. They're going to have Boobich a lot of depth. Is pitching, I think, on Friday. Yeah, they're going to have a lot of depth in the bullpen. And, and who knows, maybe that causes another move to take place if 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 multiple guys are playing and competing well in spring training do we see some other type of minor move because of just a, a numbers game you never as we cliche stuff you never can have too much pitching we all know that but it's just a different feel instead of being forcefully basically plugged in as the fourth like, starter sorry. 
you, and it was higher than that probably for a while for Daniel sure. Lynch. I think this this is why the, the Lugo and Walkis signings were so massive. On a smaller scale than what you're saying with Lynch, because these are two individuals that are still in the rotation, Reagans and Singer, the same thing applies to them. Yeah. You know, they're both going to be in the rotation, but Cole Reagans was one of the best pitchers, if not the best pitcher in baseball for the final two months of the season. And if he would have been asked to come in and be the guy, that's a lot. That's a lot. Now, I'd still view him in high regard. I'm optimistic about what he can do. I actually, Cody, have a ticket for him to be the a, the, the strikeout leader in baseball at, eight, at 80 to 1. Ooh, um, and, good, I feel, and it's already price. dropped down to 30 to 1. So I'm feeling good about, feeling good about where that could be. Same with Brady Singh. You're not asking him to be the guy. I think that bodes extremely well for both of them in the rotation. Reagan's this year. has got a lot of pressure. Now, again, I think the I think the pressure those lower for Reagan's because of Waka and Lugo. I just think it's hard because he sets such a standard for himself that it's going to be hard to ignore expectations for him. And I think it's going to be easy to fall short of expectations. Lynch's entire thing is just he hasn't been healthy. Like, he hasn't been healthy enough to pitch. And the one year he was healthy enough to pitch, he had an ERA north of five for one of the league's worst teams. Look, he's an older starter. Like, the prospect part of this, oh, it's all going to turn around stuff. He's 26 going on 27 years old. We're out of the, like, oh, he's a kid who's getting called up. Because he was a college pitcher, because it took him, because it's taken him three years to even get around, there's not that. But I, there's so many, including Lynch, and you mentioned with Singer and these others, that will be really helped by the fact that nobody is relying on them. Even opening day last year, Gold, Singer's being counted in a massive way, Lynch being counted on in a massive way, people already talking about boop, like, they needed all the guys from that same college draft class to actually perform for them last year. Not a single one of them, like other than Singer, might even be in the starting rotation to start the season. They yeah. got a lot of leeway. Bubich working his way back from from uh, Tommy John surgery last year, and he was off actually. He was one of the, the few bright spots at one point before particular injuries. Someone saying, how can the AL Central be the worst division? They've, you know, they've had basically been the worst uh, division for a decade for the last 12 years have been in the world series. Yeah. I mean, if we want to go back to 2015, but if you look at where the organizations sit right now and the projected win totals for everybody in the division, it's going to be the lowest projected win total division in baseball. That's what I'm basing it off of. And knowing that uh, you're not, going to need 90 wins probably to, to win. It's not, you know, there's some divisions where, you know, you got to be 95. Like you need, you need if, you're not, if you're not getting 95, you don't have a shot. That's not the case in the AL central. And that's where there's some optimism. I think not to mention the moves that were made this off season. 87 got it done last year, by the way. Okay. Second place was every other team was under 500. <laughs> Second place in the division was 78 and 84. And the white Sox are ab- absolutely abysmal heading into this season absolutely atrocious i just think if you were to and projections are always wrong but if you're going to go through and and let's say the twins are the favorite to win the division i think they are over cleveland the gap between who you think is going to win the division and the third place team i I don't think there's a 20 win margin and i understand the royals were so bad last year at 56 that it's hard to imagine that but I, i don't it's going to take a huge increase in wins for the Royals. Duh. They dug themselves a huge hole from that. The beautiful thing is we, we talk about that from uh, uh, like, Oh, you 56. You're asking them to win 30 more. This is a different team this year though. I'll just give you DraftKings right now. As it sits right now, twins minus minus one fifteen, tigers plus three fifty, guardians plus three fifty. So they think that they're the same. Royals plus 850. You could have gotten the Royals at a better number at different times. Yeah. Uh, that number has come down as they've spent more money. White Sox plus 4,000. Yeah, they're, they're projected to finish last. 
Well, I remember they're playing like three Look, years every, ago. Look, people say like projections are dumb because Chargers are projected to win the division. I, I, Not I from an analytics standpoint. I, but that's just from each, media members. Yeah, like each organization, like J.J. Piccolo in the front office, they have their own internal projections about how every other team's going to do in the in the uh, in the division, and it's not over yet because uh, the offseason's not. There's still actually quite a few free agents that are, may sign, and maybe one of them gets signed in the American League, and that changes our entire conversation. Like all of a sudden, one of the best pitchers signs with the Twins, and all you know, and then, then you view the Twins differently. But they have their internal projections too, um, and doesn't mean those can't be inaccurate, but. Well, we we never got the exact number, but the Royals going into the last season, like they they knew it was going to be an evaluation year. I could, the Royals didn't project their team to win eighty five games last year, and they won fifty six. Okay, like no. they, that's not how that worked either. I don't remember if that's privileged information. I've been given the exact internal number for the Royals. It was a lot better than fifty six, but it also wasn't ninety six either. If you think that they're just like living in some delusion where like I, like I totally reality get the, doesn't exist, I. 1,000% get the skepticism. It is warranted. Sure. I mean, there goes without saying. Um, but I think there is reason to be optimistic based off of not just, oh, hoping a player improves. They went out and, and got known commodities, mm-hmm. specifically in that starting rotation. A- and then we'll, we'll see where they go from there. Vinny Pasquantino played in 60-something games last year. What does it look like if he can play in 140-plus for this team? Middle of the order bat. Should he be our first baseball guest? We should, we should He's try. always our football guest. Should Vinny be our first baseball guest of the, you know, of the year? Get him on, you know, maybe right after they play an actual game or maybe right before they play you an actual game? You remember the last time, last spring training. Oh, we, yeah. You remember last spring training, we had him on this show. And I, we, we I told him to hit a still, digger. I don't know if we still have the audio, uh, but I said, you're going to hit a home run. I said, you're going to hit a home run. And... uh Nick at the time was our producer, and we all and and then what happened? His first at bat, he you know he hit a home run, which is kind of funny. I think we just very an hour specifically so called later. the at bat too. Yeah, I said first at bat. Mm. I don't know if the audio is in there anymore. I'll let you. Uh, Here's him giving us no credit. Oh well, yeah, I didn't say. Going for the home run on your first at bat because of what Cody and Gold said. <laughs> no, uh, Cody and Gold was the farthest thing from my mind. <laughs> <laughs> here's, right. here's us yeah. actually predicting Vinny's home run. Vinny, I did predict that you're hitting a dinger today. That'd be good. I would, I would. I would be very happy with that. Yeah, first at bat. Actually, no, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's gonna happen. First at bat, right away. <laughs> I would like you to know that I'm in for that. So that's he what did. it was. He Nick, had a home run Nick, in his first at bat. That's what it was. Nick initially said home run, and then I, I said uh, first at bat, and, and hilariously, both happened. And no, you cannot bet on that during spring training because otherwise, we would have. I absolutely would have been feeling pretty that. good. First at bat, we would have got unbelievable odds on that too. Oh, first, first at, bat? at bat, spring yeah. training dinger. Oh. It would have been, I don't know, 20 plus to one easily. Not a lot of credit there from Vinny. Furthest thing from my mind. Well, that's, that's probably right. That's probably right. All right, let's get to the trash. Trash of the day. All right, let's go down to Houston, Texas for this one. NASA, we know it's based down in Houston, the Houston, Houston sure. area. Looking for four volunteers, guys. So all three of us could potentially be part of this. You could spend a year living and working inside a Mars simulator. Is this more intriguing to you? You don't have to huh. actually have to. No end risk up... of living in Mars. Correct. Living at Mars. So they're offering it's the third, second of three missions, four volunteers. You're going to live in a 1,700 square foot Mars simulation down in Houston, Texas. It will simulate future Mars habitat, separate areas for living and working. Four living quarters for each volunteer, a workspace, medical station, lounge area, a galley, uh, and food growing stations. Just like life on Mars, though, 
there will be limited resources. You'll go on simulated spacewalks. You'll have to work to maintain the habitat, grow crops, work with robotics. They'll experience typical environmental stressors. You will not have contact with your family or anything like that. They want to kick this off next spring. You have until April 2nd to apply. You must be, quote, a motivated U.S. citizen. Motivated. Between the ages of 30 and 55. Sorry, Drew. No. Uh, Drew's not ready yet. 30 and 55. I don't Jeez. know why 30. And uh, $60,000 is what they'll pay you. You for, have to be. For how long? You, must, you must speak English, be a non-smoker, and have a strong desire for unique, rewarding adventures and interest in contributing to NASA's work. I mean, here's the thing. The 60000 goes further than you think because you don't have, like, you don't have to pay for food for yourself. You don't have to pay for transportation. Sixty k. How long is it again? A year. Sixty grand's not enough. Not to ditch my family for a year. (laughs) Yeah, it's tougher for you. If I were you or Drew, I don't know. Sixty grand might get it done. I'd have no expenses. I'd have to. I lose this job. Well, I just. (laughs) I lose this job. That's a problem. You just do the Mars thing. No, that'd be pretty good radio content when you came back. When I came back, pretty good content when you came back. You think they would guarantee my job after a year? Also, the only other problem for uh, for you and I, uh, you have to have experience working with the masters in engineering, math, biology, or other sciences. We're out. We're out. I guess that's where the thirty plus comes in. But I almost went to school for engineering. Or, or if you have a thousand, so if you have a thousand hours of piloting experience, you could qualify as well. Okay, I can and, start knocking that out now. Uh-huh. <laughs> or if you have military experience, literally none of these are applied to us. I feel like in terms of having the, the being motivated to to want an adventure. I mean, you're talking to. I think I would need well over 100k. Yeah, to do I it agree. I think you're talking year. to the 100K? 18 I, to 23 year old demographic. I, I, if you're looking for an adventure, you know, and you're about if, it. If you're telling me that I won't have any contact with my family, and while it's easier because I'm not married and I don't have kids, there's still still family. 60 grand is just not enough. Is it no contact with the family? Yeah, I mean, no, it's like living in Mars. Can it just be no slow contact? contact? Like you're you know, Marge, Marge, you're not contacting your family. I'm going to talk to NASA. I can't send one letter to my kids. Oh, a letter? How do you expect a letter to email? Get... You know what I'm saying? I'm not, I would love know. to know how you think the postal mean service. Is... You want to be able to record an audio message for your kids? Maybe so. Yes. If I can talk to Mars, if I can talk to NASA, I can certainly send a yeah. voice memo to my family. They're not even going to let me do that. I think that's you not would... even a realistic ex- expectation it would be knowing that you're not going to die because you're not actually on mars that's of course a plus um but right uh the the no texting thing talk about a social experiment in its own right though just like all of a sudden going from having your phone every day to just for a year It'd no probably access. give you peace i think it would drive you crazy at i'm first. convinced that's long-term, what it actually is long term it would help you but initially i think you would go nuts that that is that's the actual experiment. They are not testing the the Mars stuff is whatever to them. They want to see what it's like when you're put in that situation without the phones, anybody. can't talk to anybody. That's the actual experiment that's going. I, I think it would be fun. I'll be honest, at least at first, the first week will be a lot of fun if you're simulating it. Years a long time. Well, I will say long the, time. The thing regarding the family also is very unrealistic to to Cody's point because again. The people who are going to do this are not the ones who are going to actually go to Mars where they actually have to experience this stuff. I think you should be able to send at least a, an, a one-on-one look, audio I, message a day. Man, could it be like a reality show? Like if I'm the best at the Mars simulator, <laughs> could you then later agree to send me to Mars if you're going? I don't know. It just like says, you win the contest or yeah, something? You know, that way there's a payoff. Grew the most crops. Someone says, have you all not seen Biodome with Polly Shore? No, I've seen it. There's no way either of you have seen that movie. Nope. No. One, dated <laughs> reference, which means it's already outside your window. Drew would have been negative five or something when that movie came out. 
He lives in a biodome. He lives in a science experiment in which they find out if they can be self-sustaining. They accidentally get trapped in there. It shows, like, the graphic of what, the rendering of what this looks like. So, like, you're just in this giant, you know, you're in the 1,700-square-foot room, and then meanwhile, the you know NASA's out there just monitoring everything, but you you don't know that. Th- once that you're in is, there. I, I think that is how you would go a little bit crazy. Is there's simulation to make it seem like you're doing something, but the whole time you're in this exact same space. Uh, that, I, that would that says would, it's worse that than prison. You to go nuts. At least there you get to make phone calls and have this. <laughs> I just think the dollar <laughs> amount is way too low. Sixty k. Asking for a master's degree is kind of absurd. I gotta have a master's in biology. You won't only want to pay me sixty grand the problem with this country all right that's the trash of the day up next we get back into the chiefs and why the off-season approach for the chiefs is different in cody's eyes than it is for me we'll tell you that next chiefs kingdom this is mitch holtis and welcome in to the chiefs red half hour on cody and gold every day at 11 30 on your official broadcast partner the chiefs 610 sports radio Chiefs Red Half Hour here on Cody and Gold. And uh, we'll get to some comments from Travis Kelsey, Jason Kelsey here in about 15 minutes or so. But the way the Chiefs are going to approach this offseason, you and I see this fairly differently. I I think based off of what they have a chance to do in a historical fashion, that's why it's skewing how you want this offseason to go for Kansas City. Correct. Like we were arguing a little bit, not arguing. Um (laughs) Disagreeing. Disagreeing. Mutually disagreeing. We've argued before. This is yes. a mutual disagreement over what the Chiefs offseason should look like. And I and I think earlier when I had said, hey, go all in, I didn't firmly explain what exactly that detailed plan would be. Because, look, if you got a chance to claim single greatest dynasty in NFL history, you take it. You absolutely take the opportunity. Winning three in a row has never been done in the NFL ever. And there's a reason why it is hard to do or harder to do in the NFL than it is in other sports. There's just so many variables, shorter lifespans of players, et cetera. And you'd have four Super Bowl titles in six years. You go down as the single greatest dynasty in NFL history as a result of that. What I want that plan to look like. Tag LeJarrius Sneed, give Chris Jones a long-term contract, and pay for a high-priced wide receiver. That is the version of going all in. And I don't care if it's finding some miracle trade for Justin Jefferson because maybe he's a little unhappy in Minnesota. And look, I don't know what they're doing there. He's not getting traded. That team is so – this is the same thing as the Roquan Smith thing that happened a few years ago. Just because it's your corporate policy to not give guaranteed money after year one does not mean everyone who is worth more than that is going to agree to those terms. You might have to just franchise him out, and then eventually he goes and leaves for another area. But I don't care if it's that, or giving Mike Evans a deal, or trading for one of the, or giving Michael Pittman money, but getting a bona fide number one to go with Rasheed Rice, getting Chris Jones and Legereus need back one more time, and riding your way to three straight championships. Because that, to me, is a time in which it's worthy of trading future draft capital, doing the the bogus years where you trade future draft or sorry, future cap money all in the effort of this year. We've seen teams do it. Not with success. I understand yeah. in Buffalo and a few others in the Rams, but the Rams bought their Super Bowl. I'm saying if you buy your Super Bowl this year, it's worth it. Yeah. So most of the moves I agree with, I mean, I think it goes without saying you, you Legereus Sneed will be on this team next year, one way or the other, either via franchise tag or he'll have a brand new deal. The question will be on how to handle Chris Jones. And I, I, I kind of just recognized to me when they didn't get it done last year. I don't know why 
it's all of a sudden going to happen this year. Heck, when they didn't get it done, you wanted them to trade Chris Jones at the beginning of last season because they couldn't get a long-term deal done. But now that it's the history part, I, I understand that. There's so more in the line. I, I think, though, There's this more? front office has shown that they know how to do both, right? They, they don't have to. In their mind, they're all in every year anyway. Like, if you were to ask Brad Veach, I'm sure he would say. I mean, say, they spend every cent of the cap every year. They're, they're right up against it, yeah. So whether the cap's 243 or 250, they're going to be there. They're not going to have just $10 million in free space sitting around. That's, so they're no. all in every year in their mind anyway. I know what you're saying. I think this front office has shown us time and time again, though, that they are speaking, they are thinking, I should say, about the the long-term window that exists. And when your quarterback is 28 years old, uh, you you don't jeopardize two years from now for this one year. So when do you? You sell out when he's like 38? Uh, Yeah, when he is at the end of his career. Then if, If he was 40 years old and you told me he might have a year or two left, then yeah, who cares what happens in 2027 at that point? He's 28, though. I do care what happens in 2027 because I think while they can do something that has never happened before, I think they they can do both. That's where I'm at. I think they can accomplish both. They have shown us this particular season. And two years ago when they were taking a step back by trading Tyreek Hill, what did they do? They still won a Super Bowl. I don't think they have to make these uh, ever with Mahomes and it, well, Andy Reid's head coach. There's never a truly, we're taking a step back and a year off, and there's never a year where we're all in. They're all in every single year already. They just have made very smart financial decisions so they don't jeopardize their situation. There's and, ways to push that down further the pedal. I don't disagree with yeah. you with their, their never just like a uh, step back year because we would have thought that a couple of years ago when they traded Tyreek Hill, and it looked like, well, they're going to get younger, they're going to go Karloftis and McDuffie, and they're going to rebuild slow. Over a year or two, and then they're going to be right back into Super Bowls and competing for those. And instead, what they did was win back-to-back Super Bowls. So they don't have to. I understand. They never have to take a step back. But there is a firm, you could put your foot even further on the gas by risking future cap space and risking future draft picks or those things in there in order to do it. Versus, let's say, hey, you're taking your first-round pick, and you're like, well, we're going to take another project player in Felix and UDK Uzama, and that guy's going to be good for us in the long run. Just you wait and see versus taking that first-round pick and getting a player who is good in the NFL now. But see, I don't view that like, so I guess we're now we're just getting into how we describe it. I, I want them to go sign a legit wide receiver. I want them sure. to spend one of their first two picks on a wide receiver. We're on the same page there. When I hear all in, I think of uh, what you were initially describing earlier in the show of like what the Rams did, which is basically say, F it, we know we're screwed in a year from now, but we don't care. I don't want them doing that. Should they continue to better the roster and go and say never again with the wide receiver room like they did after the Bucks Super Bowl, never again with the all O-line? They've done yeah, that a couple of times. I, I, I'm yeah. with you there. Um, and, of course, for the first-round pick, I would imagine even going into last year's draft, their their initial goal wasn't to be like, hey, we're going to draft someone in the first round that's not going to play for us this they year. They pretty much told that right I, away, I, though. That's what it ended up being, but I don't think – there were plenty of stories that have come out that they either tried to trade up or tried to trade back, and, and neither were, were – uh, avenues they thought they could actually pull off. But I'm not looking for um, project players when you got a chance you. for a three-peat. I hear you. I don't want to hear any of that nonsense be like, well, I mean, in a fourth round but, player. But I, I also don't, but, don't think, but I also don't think that they're going to go into this offseason and say, well, because we were able to do it with this wide receiver room, we'll just roll it back and run it back. I, I don't, that's just not who they've been, man. Like, I, I do think there's a balance of, of course, you can still be critical and concerned with moves they didn't make. We all were when we watched the wide receiver room. But also, I do think I have seen enough with this current front office to know that they aren't going to sit back and they also aren't going to make dumb decisions that jeopardize 
when Mahomes is 29 or 30 because of what he is now. Like, I, I think they, they are good at balancing both. The reason why this defense, we just had Spags on, and you'll hear that interview again in the 1 o'clock hour. The reason why this defense had the success they had wasn't just because they, they said, oh, we're all in on signing a bunch of free agents. It's because they made the smart free agent signing. It's because they had draft capital to go and sign, or excuse me, draft Trip McDuffie. Remember, they traded up to get McDuffie. They stood pat at 28 to get Karloftis. Right. I mean, so yeah. that they, they have shown me that they can do both. And yeah, the, the legacy aspect there, the players haven't shied away from three peating. That will be a huge theme of the entire offseason. And I expect their moves to be representative of that, but not to the point where, wow, we did three peat and now we're screwed in 2025. I don't think that's how they're going to approach it. The wide receiver market is going to be really interesting this offseason because the text lines mentioning Calvin Ridley might be the best free agent available. I would argue Mike Evans has been a more consistent player, but age, I understand that. Although Ridley will be cheaper than Mike Evans. Uh, Ridley, to me, more I'll watch Rasheed Rice, though. I actually think Rasheed Rice is very similar to Calvin Ridley. And if they're playing the same, why would you run two very similar wide receivers together? Wouldn't necessarily make sense. But I, the availability of wide receivers in the draft, again, has me wondering if, for the second consecutive year, wide receiver numbers are going to be more depressed than the wide receivers themselves think they will be. I think you're that's re- all I'm saying. I think there's something to like Mike Evans and Calvin Ridley might be cheaper than they think they're going to be. I believe there's, some, I don't know if it's this off season, but long-term we've discussed this even a year or so ago, that if we're going to keep seeing draft classes with, you know, th- these athletic wide receivers and the talent that's coming out at some point that will impact the market in the NFL. And whether that's this off season or it's really going to catch up in a year or two, I-, I don't know the answer to the timeline, but I think if we're going to keep seeing six, seven receivers go in the first round or something at some point that will impact the future market of free agency. And, you know, last year we saw it directly impact Juju Smith Schuster. Also, it may be teams realized he just didn't have much left in the tank, sure. unfortunately with the knee. Um, but yeah, I mean, someone jokes training the whole draft for Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, I'm out on that. Um, I'm out oh, on that. Hold on. Wait, let me <laughs> like just the five picks they have sold. Yep. That sounds, yeah, that sounds, fortunately, that sounds awesome. Use your free agency money to pay everyone else. Unfortunately, it would take, uh, the following year's first round pick on top of that and a second round pick. Okay. See, get, now that's too they're, far. They're at, so it turns out when you win the Super Bowl, you pick a 32 and you might have to get to three. That'd be pretty or cool. Or four. Though. We'll I mean, have plenty of time over the next couple months. To, could you imagine, though, Patrick Mahomes about. with Marvin Harrison oh, I mean, Jr.? It would be, it'd be great. I mean, if you're going to do that, why wouldn't you just, like, try to offer your entire draft for Justin Jefferson, who is available and you already know? And, look, I assume Marvin Harrison's <laughs> going to be great in the league. He seems pretty can't miss. I know Justin Jefferson can play. I don't have to wonder anything. Like, I don't even have to take the, like, 3% risk that he doesn't work out as an NFL player. Uh-huh. I already know. Turns out he's really, really good. There was another player last offseason. It's bags mentioned the grouping of guys that we've mentioned before. Tranquil Mike Edwards and Charles Aminahue made a massive impact for this team, even if Aminahue wasn't available for the Super Bowl. But the way he's been talking in offseason already has me excited for next year because he's talking about I want respect, I wanna be I wanna be talked about the level in which I played. He was I, sadly talking about this article that he thought it wasn't all that bad when he initially got hurt yeah, he and that he'd be able to get back in the game or play later. But the way he's talking and the way he was motivated this year, I think you're going to get like hair on fire Charles Aminahue again next year. I know it'll be starting what, Thanksgiving? Is it going to be that late? At least know, October. ACL. At least October, maybe November, okay. yeah. So October time, the way he played, he's not wrong in one sense. The way he played this year, he was being underpaid by the Chiefs. 
based on his level of production. And he will be in a free agency year again. The way he was talking in that Jim Rome interview, he wants his name put out there with other elite-level pass rushers. And I can't argue with his play over a six- to eight-week period, but it's whether or not he can come back and do it again. And I think, based on his motivations, he will. No question on the uh, the what you have to, to gain by having another season and, you know, how motivated as a player I mean there's a lot of reasons for a minute you one you're trying to prove that you can come back from the injury and you talk about the rehab I have no no doubt in terms of what he's going to do to get back on the field it's 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 a tough spot though from how the Chiefs approach this offseason because if Chris Jones is not part of the team again and then you know you're going to be without at least for what six games again you were you were actually without a menu for six games this past yeah. year too if all of a sudden those two things are true all right, you have Carl Loftus. We'll see what Felix ends up being. You, Mike Dana, Turk Wharton, these guys that could be gone, Like they, they are going to have to still sign or draft somebody that can contribute fairly quickly to this team because you don't know when or how productive for sure that Amini. You can't go into next season like banking that, oh, we know for sure we're going to have Charles Amini who coming back and he's going to be the same player. I don't, I don't, I know the because ACL injury the... is not the same as it was 10 years ago even. Yeah. Like, it much more likely you can come back and, and be different effective. in his position versus others that sure. might need that a different type of burst. But you wonder, like there's always the question of, of what the player's like. I hope for his sake and for the chief's sake that he comes back and is as dominant as he was because he was having a hell of a back half of the season. They're going to need him even more if Chris Jones doesn't come back here. Yes. Like the, the importance of, hi, George Karloftis, first six weeks, you're the bell cow now. You're you're the guy who gets the double teams now, so I guess good luck with that. Does that excite you? Because by the that's way? what it looks um, like for the first six weeks if Chris Jones isn't back. Does that excite you in terms of what we're you know we're going to get the answer very early on next season? Like I already know Karloftis is going to be a, he's is, a really good NFL very good NFL player. player. Yeah, but we're going to get the answer early in the season. Is he going to go from being oh a really good player that I, I that you like to have, top ten to pass rusher? One of those dudes that people talk about across the league that's he has a chance to prove that so i'm excited for carl office now maybe they go out and sign another big time defensive lineman uh that's not chris jones money but still another big time defensive lineman to go with carl office we won't get the firm answer but if you're telling me carl office is going to be playing opposite just felix and uzama and some other other unproven guys a lot of then one is asking a lot from carl office but he has a chance to show that he has another level to go remember this is only year three now next year for him but is there another level from going, what was he, a 10-and-a-half sack guy this year, Cody? Yeah, that's the number. Can he be a 12-sack guy? Can he Can he be a disruptor on a consistent basis? That'll be the biggest question we'll have all training camp and, and early next season discuss. I wanted to look it up. 10-and-a-half sacks for George Karloff just ranked him 17th in the NFL. He had the exact same number as Nick Bosa. There you go. Like, I mean, just and Nick Bosa played 17 games. Aiden Hutchinson, who is a guy that we already oh, yeah. talk about that way, he had 11 and a half. Um, Matabuke, 13. Parsons, 14. I mean, he's not hes not way off of that. Look, he's not TJ Watt, who seemingly just gets 20 sacks every year. Yeah. But in your best years, we talk about this all the time. If you are a 12 to 15 sack guy, in your best years, you flirt with 20. If you're an 8 to 12 sack guy, in your best years, you flirt with like 13 or 14. So, like, that's the tier difference for me. The tier difference is... Are you a 15-sack guy every two or three years? Or are you just a 12-sack guy every two or three years? Right now, in the first two years of George Karloftis, he's been in that Carlos Dunlap range, where you are good. You're a second-tier pass rusher in which any team would sign, happily give you money, move on with their lives. 
But you and I both know the difference between like him and Max Crosby and Aiden Hutchinson and TJ Watt and those guys at that other yeah, level. It's, it's not that they I... get a little different. They get a little more respect now. I'm not saying Karloff just can't get there, but yeah. that, that's what we'd be looking at for six weeks. Yeah. And in most years, you probably, if I told you right now that Karloff would have 10 and a half sacks again next year, I think most of us would just lock that in because you, you I would, you know, I think, you would, ha- I think you would have to now him on a personal level. He's probably not. He probably thinks there's another level and that's, and I hope there is. Cause again, that would put him in a completely different category of player. I know Carrington has compared him potentially to like the, the, the uh, Max Crosby path if he did that. And that's that's probably a decent comparison. That's high regard, though, right? I mean, how look how we talk about Max Crosby. Patrick, Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes singles him out all the time. Like, it's the player he hates playing the most. If Karloftis has a chance to be that type of player, we're going to find out next year. It's honestly not crazy. His rookie year, he was better than Karloftis. He had 10 sacks versus um, Karloftis' six and a half. Seven in year two, eight in year three. So already Karloftis up to a better start in year two. 12 and a half, 14 and a half. He's just taking his game to another level. That's what you're asking Karloftis to do if there's no Chris Jones and a mini who's not ready to go. Travis Kelsey, Jason Kelsey, we know the New Heights podcast just continues to be more and more popular. Of course, uh, they, they talked uh, in the recorded version of the podcast a little bit about last Wednesday, having been at the parade and the tragedy around that uh, and some of the things that they hope to do in the future as well. I just want to play a little bit of this. This was uh, how New Heights kind of approached uh, their support following uh, the parade. Attention 92 percenters, we, um, we have a pre-recorded episode for you guys coming up on Wednesday. But um, after the tragic events of the Super Bowl parade in Kansas City, um, it didn't feel right without you guys hearing from us first. We just wanted to say, you know, our hearts go out to all of the victims, their families, Chiefs Kingdom, and really all of Kansas City uh, that was really there on a day to try and celebrate the community. And um, it's unfortunate. And, and deeply tragic, the events that occurred. Um, so, you know, we also want to thank the local law enforcement that sprang into action, the first responders on scene, um, and anybody that's uh, uh, been willing to help uh, those affected by this tragedy. We'll share a link to donate to the Chief's Emergency Response Fund in our bio. Your donation goes to supporting victims and their families, um, violence prevention, and uh, mental health services and the first responders. One of the things that's evident is how much Kansas City is coming together and rallying around the people that have been affected by this. And, uh, you know, one of the beautiful things that we have in doing this podcast is a wonderful community out there. Uh, The 92 percenters, everybody that watches this show, we're still figuring out a way for us to be involved. And obviously you can donate to these links right now, uh, but we plan on doing something in the future. We're trying to get that situated right now have some ideas, but uh, just make sure you, you're, you're following and we'll be telling you guys in ways that we're going to try and get involved. 92% as we appreciate you. Kansas City and Chiefs Kingdom, we love you guys. We're with you guys, um, and we'll see you guys soon. So that was Jason Kelsey, Travis Kelsey on the New Heights podcast with that message. And uh, we want to continue to remind people of some of the various ways that you can help out, whether it is through the United Way and the Chiefs Casey Strong Fund that Travis and, and Jason mentioned. Or if you go to our social media accounts, uh, the entire Kansas City radio community, so 23 stations have all partnered up uh, to support the GoFundMe that is out there for uh, of course, uh, Lisa Lopez Galvan, who who passed away. So if you want that link, if you haven't seen it already, you can go, whether it's on Facebook, Twitter, 
610 Sports KC. It's one of the first posts. I know I retweeted it. You did as well. It's on the main we pages for a lot of the news sites, KMBZ, yeah. 610sports.com. And there's yeah. a link to the GoFundMe, but it, it's it's neat to see the you know 23 stations that we actually have with all these different radio companies in Kansas City come up, uh, join up, I should say, for this. And at last check, around $370,000 is where the GoFundMe is at. Remember, the initial goal was 75000 That includes... Uh, the hundred thousand from Taylor Swift, hundred thousand from Travis Kelsey, uh, and and other uh, individuals that have ha- helped and, and stepped up. And again, every single dollar uh, counts to to support this family through an unthinkable tragedy. Coming up next, we will get to what's trending here on Cody and Goldwall. So get back into one thing Spags had to say around Nick Bolton and what it says about him as a leader and a player on this football team going forward. What's trending? All right, let's check in on the hot topics. Trending, trending, trending. Number one on what's trending, the NFL offseason uh, only going to heat up over the next couple of weeks. March 5th, the deadline for teams to designate franchise tags. Also, could there be some movement once we get closer to the start of the league year regarding the Chicago Bears? They have the number one overall pick. We know that. Will they draft a quarterback? Will they hold on to Justin Fields? According to Sports Illustrated, the Chicago Bears, while they haven't actually been soliciting offers for Justin Fields, other teams did begin inquiring about a potential trade for the former former first-round pick at this year's Senior Bowl. This shouldn't surprise anybody, though. Uh, I, I just don't know how you can retain Justin Fields. If you if you are questioning at all Justin Fields in that organization, then you have then you have to trade him and you draft Caleb Williams or whoever you as an organization view as the best quarterback in the draft. You can't for two straight years pass up at number one overall a franchise quarterback. No, it's not worth it. And look, they would have been wrong if they would have gone Bryce Young. Yes. Not wrong. We don't know if we're wrong, but that would have been the wrong choice based on him or CJ Stroud. It looks like last it, yeah. year. But maybe they would have had CJ Stroud at the top of their board. Maybe that's why they got gun-shy of it. They thought everyone thought universally it was young, but they were more Stroud fans. It doesn't really matter. The point is, you had a chance to get a franchise quarterback. You tell me right now you wouldn't rather have C.J. Stroud? Do that again. Do that again, I dare you, and see how long you keep your job if you're Ryan Poles. I'm still I'm still expecting him to do that. Justin Fields, you mentioned, unfollowed them on Instagram. He already follows Kyle Pitts and B. John true? Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> Sort of following a bunch of Falcons. It's honestly, it's a pretty good fit if they decided to go that route. Next up on Watch Training, report this weekend says Travis Kelsey set to have some meetings over the next couple of weeks over some extra media opportunities. One of the executive producers of White Lotus is interested in him for a possible reality TV show. <laughs> Look, I did an entire, Drew, I'm not kidding. I did a one-hour post-game show every week on radio of catching Kelsey. Mm. in which I still probably have like 15 of the contestants' numbers because we'd have them on after they got eliminated. So if their numbers haven't changed, we could still get everybody from catching Kelsey on this show. Are they going to be part of the dating show we're doing in the summertime? Is that what you're suggesting? Sure. Why don't we get at least one contestant from catching Kelsey on the dating show with you? That would make some sense, you Mm. know? Okay. I don't think it'd be a dating show. I just think they're interested in Uh him getting anything with Travis Kelsey. Honestly, now it's every single market. Do you realize Kelsey hits every single market now? He hits the male demographic, the female demographic. Like, he hits every demographic. Of course there's going to be opportunities. Next up on what's trending local college basketball, K-State fell to the Longhorns last night, 62-56. Uh, to 56. Missouri in action later on tonight, taking on number 5 Tennessee. Jayhawks do not play again uh, until later on this weekend. Big 12 play's gotten ugly. That game Kansas State last night was grotesque. Setting offense back there for a while. Next up on Watch Training, per Jeff Passan, he's got an article up at ESPN.com. He claims a two-team MLB expansion is seen as, quote, inevitable. 
with Nashville and Salt Lake City seen as potential candidates, as he points out in the article, this is the longest run in Major League Baseball history without expansion. It's been a really long time since they added teams to baseball. 30 seems a little light. Other leagues have been able to support 32, enter some new market. I don't view that as out of this world. And honestly, out of the market bases, Nashville's going to be the team. That, That's Nashville's definitely in Portland, I know, gets mentioned in all these others, but Nashville's such a logical baseball town. I mean, it just makes perfect sense. They need things to get cleared up in Vegas first, though, with, with the A's. You know, it's we a lot all, going on there. It looks like that's still going to happen, but there's a lot of questions that still have to be answered with the Oakland A's moving to, to Las Vegas, um, and that's not 100% a done deal. That has to get cleared up before I think we see expansion. And so I don't know if we see expansion until towards the very end of Rob Manfred's term, which is 2029, we now know. Like, it could be 2030. St- even, even though it's like, hey, it seems like it's going to happen. It's inevitable. That doesn't mean it's happening in the next year or two. It, it could still be 2030. Nashville's the no-brainer of all no-brainers. Uh, big fan of the city anyway. It's also growing like crazy. So Nashville for a baseball team. Salt Lake City... I don't know. Portland, Salt Lake City, flip a coin, honestly. I would prefer Portland. Smaller but, markets. Yeah. Don't know how they'll spend exactly out of there. Expansion drafts always make it. It's been a while since we just had expansion in general for like a pro sports league that we cover, right? NFL and Major League Baseball. They had a whole nother element of who do you protect, <laughs> who do you not protect. The yeah. current just went through that. That's true. That did happen, yeah, for the NWSL. Next up on What's Trending, this is pretty cool to see. Kelvin Herrera, right? Former Royal, part of the great bullpen. A hero in his hometown, so much so that he's been elected mayor in his hometown in the Dominican Republic. How about that? He's a mayor? He is now a mayor. I, what's the name of the home? Tenaris. T-E-N-A-R-E-S. Yeah. Uh-huh. He's the, he's the hometown mayor Tenaris, now. Tenaris, probably. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, he's the mayor. The mayor of the town. <laughs> Look, is that like a is that a... Is that a ceremonial role? You know, like where it's a part-time I job kind of I thing? I mean, Manny Pacquiao is the... Is the governor right of one of the areas back home in the philippines isn't he yeah wasn't Kelvin manny pacquiao going to run for president at one point yeah the he philippines was. i don't he know if that's still that. happening i don't know yeah. if that ever happened still being mayor of your hometown growing up that's pretty cool oh he did he officially declared his he ended up losing <laughs> have you ever considered pacquiao becoming the mayor of overland park no i have not i have not whatsoever no have you been are you considering mayor a run Gladstone? are you are you considering a run i don't even know the mayor of gladstone is Let's see, mayor. Okay, I, I mean, I again, I got to get this clear. And if I ever run for I, like, I believe Kurt's got it handled in OP for now. I'll let him handle Gene his business. That's you're gonna let him handle it. Yeah, I'm coming Kurt for you, Skoog. Gene Moore. I'm not. I'm not letting it off as him. I'm coming for you. Wow, you're pre, you're, you're challenging already, huh? Yep. Let's see. You're announcing your candidacy right now. That's correct. This is my official announcement of my. Wait, when when's when's the election for that? When's that up? Uh, I don't. I don't know when that we're actually up. Do I need to announce my candidacy yet? Someone looked it up for me. Um, I don't know. Like I don't know if that's this. This. Uh, this one. This, I mean, look. This is. It's. It's a part-time job. Failing being mayor cannot be a part-time <laughs> job. I don't think I could do this There's show some, and be mayor. Some of the cities, though, the salary is super low. You have another job as well. You know, it depends on the. Well, city. They're gonna have to work around my broadcast schedule. That's all I can say. That's, that's what I require. Is part of what's my, your slogan? <laughs> Get something fresh from the tap. This lady's been on city council for I mean, like 15 I, years. I do know like the, si- the piece, signage, right? the signage with gold would be like, I mean, I, I do think if you're talking about just what name stands out at the ballot box, I do think I got an advantage on the last name. I told you, you and I tap and gold. 
Tap is the easiest thing to create a slogan with. There's a million choices <laughs> for plays on my name that work from a, you know, a running for office standpoint. Uh-huh. There you go. <laughs> and lastly, on what's trending, Matthew Slater of the Patriots announced his retirement. Ten-time Pro Bowler. Two-time All-Pro. Yeah. Had a hell Drew of a career. If he was going to be a Hall of Famer, I'm like, That's I don't know. Like, he just, like, blocked on punt coverage. This is not a knock. Well, I'm sure he's one of the greatest special teamers of all time. He is. No, he's not a Hall of Famer. He is, but I don't know how you can put him in the Hall of Fame. And you're like, well, if he's the greatest at his position that he plays, how can he not get in? I just think it's an uphill climb. Devin Hester can't even get in right now. Someone says Cody running for mayor could be a solid pathway to establishing CNG Pizza. Local business owner. No, I said Devin. I used literally Devin Hester just will be inducted. Yeah. But my yeah. point for a while is he was having tr- trouble getting in. He got in. Yeah, he, w- he will be inducted. He's technically not in yet. He but just everyone universally agrees he's the single greatest punt return in history. Yeah. And if he didn't return a punt or a kick for a touchdown in a Super Bowl, he wouldn't be in. You have to have those moments. And I know Slater won some Super Bowls, <laughs> but I don't remember him doing anything. That's those. what's trending here on Cody and Gold. A lot of people saying that you have to wait till you're older to run, so then you can be Bancroft because uh, Cody's not. People aren't going to take you no seriously enough. No one's going to vote enough. for a, yeah. a person named Cody. They're going to take goes back to Cody Decker. Think, it's not a serious name. They're going to think you're younger. Yeah, mm. you add Bancroft, and there's respect that comes with that name. I think <laughs> that does sound more like a mayor of a local municipality, right? Bancroft Tap. My grandpa was a well-respected lawyer in his time. That sounds like a lawyer's name, doesn't it? Sounds like the kind of guy you could trust. Well, it's part of a law firm, you know. Bancroft, you know, Davidson and whatever LLC or law firm. Yeah. Bancroft, gold, and blank. We could really work with something here. I have no idea when you actually could be up to to be voted for. I I, I looked, but I couldn't find it just in hmm. uh, the brief reporting. But, I mean, it, it's never too late to say that you're going to run. I mean, I just don't know if someone with the last name Nixon can ever succeed in politics. You know, <laughs> probably not. I just don't really know. ruined it for the rest Drew of Nixon. you. I don't know. There'd man. be a lot of questions. You know? uh-huh. I don't want to run it. Please. <laughs> you think I could just email? I'll her stay out of that her? lane. <laughs> she has served on Gladstone City Council 2011, 13, 16, and 20. Good luck. <sighs> established. You got to start somewhere, Cody. I She's think you need established. To start city Council first. You know. Although, actually, you know, as I said that, I'm like, yeah, I think we've learned that you actually don't have to have any background. I don't have to have any background. Yeah. You can just run for stuff, have a cool slogan, mm-hmm. talk on the radio, hope people vote for you. Knock on a few doors. That might help, actually. Go door to door canvassing. I would go door to door. You have to. Me personally. <laughs> you have to. Would you guys go door to door for me if I ran for mayor? I, w- I would help you. Yeah. I'll be honest. I'm a little scared of what would happen if I won. What do you mean? How it goes after that. What do you mean? You'd be scared well, after I don't, that. You know, I'm going to need somebody to help me with some of the day-to-day there for a minute. You would sure. win and realize, I actually don't want this. <laughs> I'll tell you this. I, don't I have... take it serious if I was in the job. I would try to do the job well. Definitely need to have a treasurer to keep an eye on things for Cody. <laughs> yeah. Part right. of that campaign treasurer. That's probably fair. Well, how's our show fund looking? Your show fund, our show fund just paid its first dividend. <laughs> it just I did get it. I did get a payout. It did. It no, just it paid its first ever dividend. So, uh, you know, congratulate. That's actually for a completely separate thing. No, it's, it's not, not, not our actual show fund. It was for some uh, yeah. some equipment stuff. But uh, uh, yeah, we joked stuff. that it was the show funds healthy-ish. Although healthy-ish. How's the um, box uh, selling stuff going? Uh, slow. Yeah, that's <laughs> still that's slow. I just want to point that out. I worked on that this weekend because I realized how slow it was taking. So that's the the cutting gold shop is back up and running. Anybody that listened to this show back in <laughs> you December, you warned everybody. I know my biggest concern complaint with the buying of the pallet or the box 
was how long it would take us to sell the items and how are we going to sell the items. And here we are two plus months later. Aren't you glad we didn't do the... The more, yeah, you more, the pallets? I know. Cody, the box is I'd, taking long enough. Honestly, the pallet had been so big, I couldn't have ignored it. I'd have been better at selling it. <laughs> oh, you think? It had been so big, you'd be like, well, I got to do something with this. Uh-huh. There's just too much stuff. That box is easier to just be like, eh, just sell this like one thing at a time. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever. I'll, I'll just, you know, I was like, eh, I could just. I could just slowly get to it. I do have an idea for the summer that might need every bit of our show. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So well, I have not told you yet. Matter of fact, I think only maybe four people know the idea, so I'll have to inform you of it later. But mm. four. Wait, I'm actually, Drew and I should be upset. Four other people know of the idea before us, and it's a show-related idea. So huh. I wanted to, like, you know, workshop it before I took it to the group. Does that make sense? Okay. It was right, a right. focus group situation before I took it to the larger audience. Okay. I'm guessing they all approve. Uh, they did. Universally loved is how it was received. Before we get to some comments from Antonio Pierce, the, the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, I, I saw this pop up during the break, and it, we weren't even planning on talking about this, but it's become a yearly thing because, well, the Chiefs win on a yearly basis these days. And I get it. It is called an opinion piece for a reason. It is somebody's oh, opinion. But it doesn't mean that I can't also share an opinion back on the opinion piece. Like how dumb it is. I just saw the Kansas City Star put out a new opinion piece from somebody. I'll just read the headline. Chiefs players drinking at Super Bowl rally sent young fans exactly the wrong message. Dun, now, dun, a couple dun. of reasons why this is dumb. This was dumb even a year ago uh, because as if you haven't witnessed as a, as a you parent. Yeah, have you, I mean, this is kind of what happens at celebrations. Also, if we really want to take it to another level, I don't think this is the year where you want to talk about what is sending the wrong message to our kids and it's drinking when we just had a shooting at a parade and where we don't yeah. do a damn thing about it. So that's the wrong message we're sending our kids, not whether or not the athletes are having a Bud Light. Correct. They're focused on the absolute wrong part of what went wrong here. But this this article exists every year, dude. Every single year, I got to... Every single year, I got to read some article about like, they're telling kids that drinking in excess is okay. Like, just don't. This is what parades are. So just don't, I guess, watch if that's what you're not looking for. It's so silly. Also, the star, I you take. Look, your, I got some friends who work at the star. So ahead. it's not, I don't think that there's some quality work being done over there at times. Whoever is running the, like, aggregate clickbaity nonsense out of there is doing a horrific job of maintaining any kind of reputation. Like the stuff that they like, not just that one. Cause that one's bad. There are even worse ones than that, man. Are you kidding? Even worse ones than sending the wrong message. The rest of them. I thank God. I would, now I'm trying to look for it. There was one this weekend that was, that was really bad. Really, really, really bad, but I'll, I'll find it later and I'll, I'll share it with the group, but yes, it was, I don't understand. I don't understand why you, you just don't publish it. I don't care if some like fan wrote it. Just don't publish it. I mean, do we all know? We also go to Chiefs games, right? We all tailgate and stuff. Mm-hmm. We've all, if you sat on the 300 level or anywhere, there's been some drunk idiot next to you. Taylor Swift, those same, wine those same people not, Some people not take their, same people not take their kids to sporting events. You've never been to a 4th of July parade? Yeah, it's, um, it's, this is not the first, this is the third or fourth time. It's a, it's become an annual opinion mm-hmm. piece that was put out. It must get good clicks every year. I'm sure so it they, does. And here we are. We're talking about it, right? So I guess it unfortunately, worked. Unfortunately, it did. <laughs> I didn't click on it. 
I didn't either. Well, you so had to have. You read a quote from it. You had to have clicked on it. You just gave me a quote from it, didn't you? No, that was a made-up quote. Okay. It might no, as that well. was just like what I assume okay. this person I, was complaining I, I mean, about. it sounded like it could have been a real quote. That's why. No. Okay. No. I thought you actually. I got you. I did too. No, not a real quote. Just me pretending what I assumed that they probably said. So, that's all. Yeah, I do think a lot of fans actually enjoy seeing players act like normal people and cut loose and yeah, it makes them feel like. like I mean, I think that's that's fun. You know, it it, it takes the wall down that like you think that they're just going to be uptight the whole time. I mean, they are normal people as well. They like to have a beverage or two. Some had a few more than others, but they like to have a beverage <laughs> some, or two. Some definitely had a few more than others. That's it. It's going to be okay. It's it's it really is. You saw the comments though from Antonio Pierce <laughs> over the weekend, and I and I and Antonio Pierce now the full time no, head coach. Now you're talking about another idiot. Um, well, I, I won't go as I won't, I won't call Antonio Pierce an idiot. I think that's a bit strong. I it's just laughable to me that this is the mindset that maybe the team is going to have, which was uh, he brought up the Jordan rules like the Pistons had back in the day and how they how they handled going up against yeah. Michael Jordan. So he says the Raiders have Mahomes rules. Just like that. So the example he gave, he was on actually one of his players' podcasts. He was on Max Crosby's podcast. And he talked about the Raiders need to be uh, the single-minded approach to shutting down Patrick Mahomes. He said, quote, we've got the Jordan rules and we've got what I'm calling now from now on as long as I'm here, the Patrick Mahomes rules, Pierce said. You remember when Jordan was going through with the Pistons, all those guys in the 80s before he became Michael Jordan, Air Jordan. The Pistons used to whip his ass. Anytime he came to the whole elbows, feeling them, love taps, we're in his head mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. I'm touching you. So I showed my guys Jordan getting his ass whooped. And he went on to say that he shows the Raiders clips from like UFC fights as well and says that his team needs to have a fighter's mentality towards Crosby Mahomes all the time, and the Chiefs. Way. Quote, we've got to knock off the head of the snake. 15. Hate the color red, Pierce said. There's a hatred for the Chiefs. So that's his, that's his plan? His plan for beating Patrick Mahomes in any given year is to just hate the color red? To be the bad boy Pistons. Look, he's living in a delusional world. He got one win, and this man's got the whole... He's going to try to convince the whole league he's got Patrick Mahomes figured out. Also, Patrick Mahomes just won the Super Bowl, so it's not... So again, I, not a great time for said message. They just won one game. His quarterback didn't complete a pass in the second, third, or fourth quarter. Patrick Mahomes gifted them 14 points inside the red zone. That's not a that's not a sustainable business model. Yeah, the idea that they figured him out is is hilarious just because of what you just described, what occurred in that game, the two yeah. defensive scores in seven seconds and all that. Now, in fairness, I just read you the quote. He didn't say they figured him out. They just said they have established a mentality that they think they have to have to beat Mahomes. And, and it might even be a correct mentality, but it wasn't – the way the game went was so specific. Like, that's not getting replicated, you're, you're not getting the breaks that you had and, and the mistakes that you had on a consistent basis. But that that's, by the way, that's Antonio Pierce's the whole thing and how why the players love him. I think we have to understand that. We, like here, we're going to laugh about it here. But that mentality, that is why he got hired. That is, that is what the players love. And it's why, I think to his credit, we'll see he hired a bunch of former coaches, head he's coaches, because he's admitted he doesn't know everything. I think there's some things lacking on the coaching end, perhaps, that he is a great leader though. And there's a chance like as we look at hirings all the time, sometimes who's the best leader might actually be 
just if not more important. You can hire and surround yourself with a great staff, but if you suck as a leader, it may not matter. I think he's taken more of a, I'm going to be the leader of this team. I'm going to set the attitude, and I'm going to also lean on a lot more of my staff to help coach. This, I don't think that's a terrible philosophy, but yes, this part is laughable um, in, in terms of like, they, they didn't figure anything out about the Chiefs. Like I, I've consistently said, and I think that this is a harder thing to admit publicly because then people will call you weak or whatever if you're another team. All you should do in discussing what the Chiefs do against you or any success you have is kiss the ring. Pay respects to the man and just be like, look, we loved our game plan. That was the most physical our team played the entire year. Um, but if I think that uh, the same plan is going to work every time against this man, I am not overly optimistic about that. You see what he's done. He's had the single greatest start to a career in anyone in NFL history. I know that opposing coaches don't want to say that. Just be like, oh, we got him. We're going to ring his bell. We're going to knock him on his ass. You're like, okay. I mean, but if the next time your defensive line doesn't win the battle, and they did that game. God, they shoved the Chiefs around in that game. But uh, if they don't win the battle the next time, then you're right back where you were. I was going to say, th- th- this could be one of those uh, Mahomes posts where I, after the game <laughs> is done, he posts one where he's doing the shoulder shrug, and I mean, oh, it could yeah. be a kiss the ring, or it's just yeah, I mean, head still attached, I don't know. It's weird too because and again he is trying to set the attitude there and it's this whole thing. I saw so I, I do actually a little understand bit like it. Dan Campbell, but yeah. at the same time it's like you, it's tough to make the, even the the Jordan rules comparisons as well. It's like you beat them in a regular season game where you guys had like what was it seven? What did the, what did the Raiders finish with seven or eight wins this year? Or did they get to nine? No, I think they were seven or eight. That feels yeah. Right. It's not like you beat them in the postseason. And you're like oh yeah, like you're you know it's it's a regular now for him it was a massive win because it's what sealed the deal for him to get the head coaching job right it, it, once he beat the Chiefs I think we all believed oh they're going to hire this guy and I'm I, I think it was the hire they had to make sure considering what he, that team uh, had been since he had taken over and clearly he's loved in the locker room and usually I don't ever hire the interim coach but I feel like they had to in this circumstance I don't blame them for doing it but I also just think that it's a low probability of success because. The type of coach you're describing, just the rah-rah guy who needs all the help with the rest of the coaching stuff to make sure every part of the business is handled, there's like one in the league that works that way right now, and it's Dan Campbell. And Campbell is still a very bright well, I, I think, football I, say, I think Campbell, we under, because of the kneecap comment, he's actually he's all in on analytics. and all. I, yeah. I think Dan Campbell is actually extremely smart, which is when we heard the press conference, everybody assumes he's just some dumb football guy or whatever, right? And just, want, you know, just mean, mean, aggressive man. I think actually Dan Campbell is extremely smart. Yeah. I mean, look, I do too, but I mean, he's the one guy who fits the builder where we're talking about. He's just a great leader and he's really smart about surrounding himself with smart football minds. And yes, I do think he's, I don't think that Antonio Pierce or Dan Campbell know nothing about the sport, but there'll still be questions of once like Ben Johnson leaves, can he maintain, can Dan Campbell maintain that level of offense efficiency? People will question that yeah. going in there, but because he's already proven, he knows how to handle a team and keep a team around. Vrabel probably people, I think, put that moniker on for a while too. But it's just like, it's so few. The rest of them are just like brilliant offensive minds yeah. or brilliant defensive minds. I'll just tell you, I mean, the, the Raiders are so low on the worry scale. Oh, so um, they're the last in this division from the war. I, I'd still going into next season would once again still be more quote unquote concerned about the Chargers and Broncos before I would the Raiders. The Raiders Same. like the Broncos yeah, Aiden O'Connell, dude. I'm not yeah, gonna I mean, the Broncos don't series. have a long term answer at quarterback either, but like I've still the Raiders are way down the list. The Chiefs are trying to win championships. They're worried about beating Cincinnati and Baltimore and Buffalo in the postseason. They are they're not concerned with the Las Vegas Raiders. I understand the Raiders beat them in the regular season. 
But uh, and the Chiefs, I'm sure, will be fired up to to get them back next year. Uh, that'll be something we'll have plenty of time to talk about. If something dramatic, unless something dramatically changes, I'd rather not know who my quarterback is than know my quarterback is Aiden O'Connell. You know what I'm saying? Like I'd rather just <laughs> well, go I don't into think the world. Go- I don't think they're going with Aiden O'Connell. I'd rather next just year. the unknown of yeah. quarterback to be named later than than they're gonna than draft Penix or something like that. Probably. Probably. I Which means you start Aiden first. And then as I told you, I like Michael Penix a lot, which is why it's like, I'd rather him not get drafted in the AFC West because I actually want to root for the kid. I actually the, I enjoy the watching NFC him needs play. some good quarterbacks, yeah. Well, they're going to most likely get Kayla Williams and Drake May all in the end. Like, there's a cool. decent chance. Go ahead and go that way. There's a decent chance Drake May and Kayla Williams end up in the NFC based Fine off of the draft me. order and everything. Jaden Daniels and Michael Pitt, they can all go to the <laughs> NFC. Got enough AFC Marvin Harrison Jr. might end up in We're the good. AFC, though. But so what? Not a quarterback. The Chiefs have gone up against top wide receivers throughout this entire run. It hasn't mattered. They got Legereus Sneed and Trent McDuffie. And, uh, and Spags. Can we call him front of the show now? Maybe. He's been on the show officially, yeah. so... Hypothetically. We'll hear that conversation with Steve Spagnolo again if you missed it coming up at 1.30. Up next, though, we'll get to the random question of the day, and uh, it is already that time of the year, and spring training is underway next here on Cody and Gold. Random question of the day coming up in about 10 minutes or so. Cody and Gold hanging out on a Tuesday. I hope some of you had a long, nice long weekend. Back at it uh, here on the show and uh, hopefully a little bit more of a, a normal week for, for everybody. And uh, the weather certainly is going to help with that throughout the entire week. I, I think, are we, are we done? Are we, are we ready to declare it that we're done no. with? No, no, this you is still fake fall, spring. You think it's just false spring? Yep. This is fake. I know we've all lived here our fake, whole lives. Fake, 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 we fake. can still snow right Too in the middle. It can still snow right in the middle of the NCAA tournament and all that. I know. I is know. it nice outside, by the way? Text line nine one three five eight six seven six ten. It looks gorgeous. I think it's fifty eight. But or I've something. been inside since like seven forty five a.m. when I got to the building, or eight a.m. since I got to the building. Can you guys let me know? That's nice out. It looks nice. Like ditch. Are you regretting the long sleeve shirt? Even maybe not yet. It's not too warm in here yet. We're getting there. I, I, the, the sun's not. We're not there yet. I'm still. I still think it's long sleeve weather. Okay. Outside. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. It's fake spring. This is not real. What you're seeing is a mirage. I'll enjoy it. I'll enjoy it, man. Of course. Why wouldn't you? I don't blame you at all. At least on that end. I'm excited because yesterday. I always like every time of year. Doesn't matter. Like pitchers and catchers. I like it. That's why I sent out that tweet to Tommy Townsend. Uh, drinking a beer and he was wearing a Royals jersey during the parade. But full squads reported yesterday, which means every single Royals player was there, and we're going to get a sense of what they look like when they start playing baseball on Friday. Look, spring training won't lie to you. <laughs> I've watched them choose players based on spring training performance that they probably regretted significantly. I watched Brian Goodwin once have one hit in 60 at bats, went to a different team, and was an all star for them. So don't get too hung up on it. But it's a lot of this is. All right, how much am I ready to get hurt again? How much am I ready to talk myself back into the Royals again? And I'll be honest with you, way too far. I'm back. I'm back. And I know that it's stupid. And I know that the Royals only had 56 wins last year. But let me explain a couple of reasons why I'm in gold. And I think you are too. The pitching is at least twice as good as it was last year. They will be adding presumed health. Vinny Pasquantino back to the middle of the order, a guy that they had hitting third or fourth for this team. I think Bobby Wood Jr. is on the ascension. I do not think we've seen his peak yet. And I think the bullpen can be improved from what it was last year. I don't think it's a massive improvement right now based on the bodies out there, but I do think it could be better. Do I think they could be 20 games better? That feels like a bit of a stretch. Do I think that they could be 10 to 12 to 15 games better? Yeah. 
Honestly, maybe. This was Vern. He's going to join us tomorrow. But he was on He was on uh, the morning show today talking about how much the Royals could improve. And he says it's by as much as 16 games. I like that. I think last time we spoke, uh, Bobby mentioned 72, and that sounded right to me. That's a massive jump. But the reason why last year was so atrocious was the pitching. So when you go out and you bring in two guys that, look, I'm not going to say that Waka or Lugo or any of the relievers that they brought in are the equivalent of James Shields or Wade Davis or, or Greg Holland. Uh, and that's fine. Again, we're talking about a 70 to 72 win team. All I really, well, there are a lot of things I wanted out of this offseason, but the main thing I wanted out of this offseason is I didn't want Bobby, Vinny, Massey, and Mike Hell to become losers like Merrifield and Lopez and Dozier and so many in the past have. I think that that's the point. There does seem to be like a youth movement coupled with real pitching that makes me optimistic again. So, yeah, I mean, I, we're, I'm prepared. I'm ready to get hurt again, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm opening yeah. myself up to that. I think when you just start talking about how many wins to increase, it, it gets a little more challenging, right? Like if I just tell you from 56 to be a 76 to 80 win team, you're like that's like you're, you're starting to venture into probably territory. That's not realistic. Greatest turnarounds of all time. But at the same time, I mean, a little bit of what Vern said is we know pitching was absolutely horrendous last year. And now you're adding Michael Walker and Seth Lugo. You, have Cole Reagans for a full season. We're going to assume guys are healthy for a full season. And we know how he pitched on the back half of that partial time here, post trade deadline in Kansas city. Then you still have Brady singer who at one point we thought highly, very, very highly of. And now you're not asking him to be a one or a two. He's a three or a four, really a four probably for this organization. He still shows stretches of dominance, but it's that third pitch inconsistencies. And so I know that it's easy to be extremely skeptical because this organization has given you every right to be skeptical over the last eight plus years. No doubt. And it's going to take a lot of you for them to go out and prove it in April and May and and beyond. And that's more than fair, but I am excited. I, I really am. I think this team has a chance to be way better than they were. And the division is also part of the equation for me. It's because this division stinks and it, it, it just does. And in the Royals are part of that problem as well. Don't get me wrong. Um, They've been contributing to it. They absolutely Correct. have. But you're not asking them to have a 20 plus win improvement in the AL East. We're like, okay, come on. A 20 plus win. If there was ever a division where you could have a massive turnaround to being in the mix for multiple months past April, May, and June. Oh, right, yeah. Cinco de Mayo. It's, Is this team still in it? Uh, yes, yes. As in not yes. already eliminated? Because by yes. Cinco de Mayo last year... It was done. This team was cooked. I mean, honestly, we, by... We were it, done. Yeah, by the first week of May, it was it was over. Um, no, I, I believe this team will be sitting here in June, at least. I don't know about July and August yet. I, I think we'll be sitting here after Memorial Day weekend and still feel like this team is in, in the quote-unquote mix. <laughs> I, I do believe that uh, that's as of... February 20th, where everybody's healthy and there hasn't been any injury in spring training or anything like that, knock on wood, that kind of stuff, yeah. I I feel good about where they're sitting at uh, organizationally and some of the pieces that they brought in. The bullpen is still going to be a question. I know they've tried to attack it. Will Smith is a big upgrade. Uh, That is still an area I I have concerns about. Uh, This is by no means a roster that suddenly is perfect or anything like that. Uh, And they have still guys, young players like Melendez and Vinny and others that have to prove it for a full season that we have not seen that yet from either. Here's how the rotation lined up last year versus what it's projected to be this year. And I understand other guys will have to make start for these teams besides the five that are projected to be in it. 
Last year, leader in starts, Jordan Lyles. Mr. Dom. Champagne Lyles. <laughs> Champagne Lyles himself. 6-2-8 ERA and 31 starts. Singer made the second most starts at 29. He had a 5-5-2 ERA, and you and I both know after the first month of the season, which he posted like a 10 earn run average, he was significantly better than that. Grinky made 27 starts at a 5.06 ERA. Cole Reagans, 12 starts. Once the trade came across, man dominated, 264. And Daniel Lynch tied for the fifth most starts. The guy who was hurt for most of the year, 4.64. Brad Keller tied with him at 4.57. Yeah. Listen to that. Brad, Daniel Lynch, Brad Keller, Alec Marsh, Yarbrough, Carlos Hernandez. It was opener stuff. They didn't even get through five deep last year. This year, Reagan, same guy who dominated last year. Waka would have been two on this roster by a mile last year at any point. Lugo, same thing. Singer, now all of a sudden shoved down to the four, as you'd mentioned. He was last year's number two starter. Jordan Lyles or Daniel Lynch are your five. Oh, God, it's so much better. feels like a real uh, rotation is what yes, it does. It like feels, a qualified yeah, major league rotation. That, that's exactly what it is. And someone texted in, and it's fair. They said, hey, if you guys looked at the April schedule, oh, it's a brutal start on paper. There's no, and, and there's always a situation where you can say going into the year, it's important to get off to a good start. It is so crucial for this team time, yeah. uh, to have a good month of April. And it's not easy. I mean, it, to, the, to the texter's point, some of the opponents that they're going to face right out of the gate. They're going to take on a very good Orioles team to, to open up the season. Uh, the Astros are one of their first, what, two weeks of baseball. Uh, they're going to have the Orioles again. They're going to have the Blue Jays. I mean, they're, they're, it is, it's the, tough. It, it's not going to be an easy month of April. The Tigers and the Mets and the White Sox in there, too. Yeah, the White Sox helps. Uh, White Sox for four. I like that. First weekend, opening, opening weekend of the season, right? This might be your last. You only get what? Uh, if this vote passes, this is one of the final four. We got four years left. Four or opening? Th- three, four, 24, 25, 26, 27. Four. Including four this opening one. days yeah. left at Kaufman, maybe? That's right. Oh, man. Got to soak them in Countdown now. Countdown could be on. I presume Alex and I will be live outside of Gate D from 10 to 2. Yeah. As we've up. attempted to be every single year. There's one year I had to save a person's life from a flyaway tent. That and was we something. gave up that year and went inside. But outside of that, we've been outside. Yeah. April or not April. March 28th. 310 first pitch against the Twins. We will, uh, like you said, I'm, I'm, let's hope for the weather today. Can we just go ahead and get that for March 28th? Thank you. Like, I feel more optimistic this year than last year. Last year was like, it was like, in retrospect, it was like, I was just trying to talk myself into it and make myself feel better. Like, I wanted the Royals to be good. So I just decided to be optimistic <laughs> about it. I'm way too scorned now based on last year's performance to just roll into this season and be like, All's fine. Everyone will be okay. I honestly, genuinely believe they have fundamentally improved their roster significantly from last year. Do I, am I predicting to make the playoffs right now? No, I'm not. Do I think they're a much better team? Yes, I do. Random question. For you, Drew. For you, Gold, over in the text line, 913-586-7610. Of course, you can hit me up on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook for those answers as well as we live stream the show for all four hours. I was going to do it at first on um, Anthony Rendon, and he was in media days, and he pretty much was like, I hate baseball. It's stupid. I like everything else in my life better than baseball, which is, you know, and honestly, people have jobs they don't like, and they just do it for money. Why can't he do a job for money? His job pays $275 million. He doesn't have to like any of it. People hate it with sports, though, more than any other job people hate it. It's also just like, you paid $40 million a year. You can't like it a little. Private chefs and hitting baseballs for a living doesn't seem all that bad. Doesn't matter. That's what I was going to do it on, and instead I'm shifting gears, which is what is the level of sport or game 
I don't care if it's Monopoly. What is the level in which it is embarrassing to cheat? So, like, is it embarrassing to cheat at Monopoly? Is that too low a stakes? Or because it's with family and Monopoly writes cheating into the rules, you think it's okay? I'm asking this question because an article came out over the weekend that I had missed. Warren Sharp had pointed it out. And which it was pointed out that Sean Payton, when he was during, uh, during uh, Bounty Gate, when he was the offensive coordinator for his son's sixth grade football team, spy-gated an opponent <laughs> for sixth grade football. <laughs> He got tape of them and then gave it to Bill Parcells to try to help break down like the single wing or whatever to try to diagnose what they were doing defensively game practice tape, by the way, things they weren't supposed to have. And then to win a sixth grade football game, they got their ass kicked, by the way, they lost by like 40 in the playoffs against them. So it didn't do them any good. Who's reporting this? Uh, this was, oh God, I can't remember the, it was a, it was like a Bleacher Report article okay. talking about his time opposite it. Warren Sharp was the one who had pointed it out over to NBC. He said, quote, you have no idea how much time we spent. <laughs> like, this Ultra said, competitive. We spent all week, That's we talked to Bill Parcells, John Gruden. We asked them how to defend the single wing. For a sixth grade team, by the way, the sixth grade team—what's the level in which it's embarrassing to put in this much effort? The sixth grade team should feel honored that they needed Bill Parcells, John Gruden, and Sean Payton to diagnose practice. Like that's pretty impressive. Uh, Just speaks to just how competitive they are, but also it's cheating. Uh, To answer your question, like what's I'm trying to think what the I ever cheated in a board game with a friend. Not a board game, but I, I, I think for me, it's more than the game. It's also who you're playing with. Like if you're cheating against your nephews or something like that, that's embarrassing. Yeah. Oh, like more than the, that yeah. like I would, it's the yesterday. fact that you're doing this against children is kind of what makes it embarrassing. Yes, yeah, like yesterday, not cheating against you and I playing Monopoly and I steal some money out of the bank. Yeah, because like yesterday I went to I went bowling with my nephews because they obviously they were off of school and it was, so I went I went bowling with them. Like if I would have found a way to cheat at that, that would have been more pathetic because it's your nephews. Whatever they played with bumpers, not me. I should have just played with bumpers. Would have been way more enjoyable for me. <laughs> Wait, were you that bad? No, I, I still ended up with the higher score, but like I not th- by enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. I still didn't break a hundred, Cody. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Whereas if I played with bumpers, I feel I feel it would have gone better for everybody involved, and it could have been a great excuse. There's no other opportunity where I can ever play with bumpers unless I'm with my nephews. Yeah, if they're already up. I mean, just throw the ball down the aisle. They have a setting; it just automatically changes depending on whose name. Oh. Like it was automated, so like you can go in and select fancy the, bowling. Alley. You can select the the bowler, and it has a setting you can mark. And so it automatically does it throughout the entire entire game. But, uh, makes sense. Yeah. What about you, Drew? Uh, I think uh, I've never done at least card game stuff. It's more to me is in high school golf tournament stuff. Like, oh, like a, keep it score. Uh, obviously, there's mess for scramble stuff. Uh, yeah, that that sort of stuff is really bad. Like if you're in a golf league and guys coming here shooting forty eight, and, and this person is convinced. <laughs> it, well, the, the thing As that a four man yeah. scramble. Oh yeah, they're all plus twelve handicaps. You you're 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 convinced. This guy's convinced that he got a bogey. It's like no, sir, you did not. Did, did, did you count the stroke to the ball and then the water? <laughs> did you count the dropped ball? I mean, you know, you you three putted on the green. You didn't two putt. That wasn't a gimme. That 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 stuff is. It's not necessarily embarrassing, but it's more annoying. I think when that stuff happens. Or people sandbag and say, yeah, I'm not that good. And then they go out and they shoot, I don't know, 75. And they say that they're a 15 handicap. Like, I think if you're on. paying for real money, you can't cheat. Yes. If you were playing Agreed. for pride, cheat all you want. <laughs> I'm just going to say it right now. If you're playing like a board game and there's not money on the line, cheat. Who cares? It's not playing for anything. You're just messing with people for the sake of the enjoyment of the game. Cheat all you want in that. If you're playing for cash, we got to play straight up.
Yeah. No, like, I, I'm not counting strokes that went yeah, in the water counts, you know, or dealing yeah. yourself aces at the Drew, bottom of the deck. Drew was talking about golf. Have you gone out? Now that we're getting nicer weather, though, for a little bit, have you gone out? Have you golfed at a KC course yet? I have not yet. You I got to get I'm out really there, I feel like. You're the golf guy on the show. I I am really slacking. Rob said he had a tee. I don't even know if he ended up playing. I know Dusty yesterday. just went yesterday. D- Dusty went. Uh, I have not played yet, and it's supposed to be warmer this week. I need to get out and I need to go you play. Go Nine after Holes. one of these shows. After one, one of our shows, go All out right, there. Let's and do it. You should do that. I mean, let's uh, us. Yeah, I heard let's. I, I was just saying for you. Oh, I was, I'll, I'll drive the golf cart. Um, I have. I'll, I'll play. It's just not going to be pretty. I was gifted. I, it does not matter. It's fine. Some some clubs were passed down to me from. For my brother logger, they got some new ones, and I still haven't used them yet. So, I mean, we can oh, perfect. Give, give it a little little uh, swing and see what happens. But uh, I'm terrible, Drew. Absolutely awful. I haven't swung a golf Not club wrong with that. since it's we okay. did Top Golf, and that doesn't count. No oh, money in, make there's the no golf money involved. Rob Collins. What happened there? Weren't you coming to that? Or did you I come was out of to town. No, I didn't go. Okay. I was like, yeah, I was out of town. I was trying to remember. I was like, we all win. We could even just go to, like, we, yeah, we, we can go to it. You know, I don't want to insult one of the courses I was about to name. We, we can go to one of the cheaper courses around. Okay. Oh, th- to me, also, if you if you guys hit a ball and the, if you guys hit your first tee shot is terrible and you want to mulligan, happen. And, yeah. and you want to mulligan, promise you that'll happen. Mulligan aside, to to your point, Cody, if practice you, balls. You know, yeah, to your point, Cody, practice swings. To your, to your point, Cody, we're, we're not playing for anything. Knock yourself out. Yeah, that's what I think. Like not, at that point, knock yourself out. It's what fine. do you care what my score is? It, it does not matter. It's oh, totally we go, by I the way. You, my score is not good enough that I'm taking a photo of it and sticking it up on social media. Look at Cody. Shot a solid 107 today. Drew. And Drew quotes me to be like, dude, that was more like a 116. That would but be such nice a, try. I'd be such a jerk for that. That I would mean, be terrible. There's, yeah, I'll be honest. If, if the three of us ended up going after a show this week, I'm not even keeping score, okay? like, Oh, I'll keep score. I'm not even. No, I'm not even keeping score. There's no need. Most for that. of the time, I don't keep score. If I'm if I'm just going and playing nine nine holes for the I'm sake s- of playing, I, I don't keep score. I just go out and I play. I don't golf. Let me be clear. I, I, I'm, I'm I used to. terrible, terrible. I need lessons or something. That's what so I expensive. need. Expensive. I need like golf lessons. That's that's the. I want. I would love to learn. It's one of those things you can do when you're 70 years old. Doesn't matter. And it's just, trust me. There's plenty of times I would love to be able like let's just go let's just go golfing because yes. plenty of friends want to do that. I can't really do it. It's a good excuse for well, if you do like to if you like to drink, it's a good excuse to go and just have have drinks. I I do not like drinking. I don't drink at all when I play golf. I take it way too seriously. Oh, so I, you're oh this we got. I feel like we got to go. I feel like we need to go golf because I got to see oh, Drew you, you in, in an athletic dialed. environment here. Oh, okay. See, I was gonna say I thought you were gonna say we need to get me drunk and oh, then what? play golf. To, says, let's bring see. cameras out and it's our version of the match. <laughs> <laughs> We need a, on we now. need one more person. I'm about oh, it. We'll get Dusty or yeah, Rob we or something. Need, we need like a good a good golfer on each team, and then me yeah. and you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So du- yes, there you go. So Drew can be with you or I, and then uh, we need yeah we need one other person. That's good. We need a good Dusty, right? Dusty's sure. a good golfer. Mm-hmm. Dusty said he shot 79 uh, yesterday. What's your so. handicap? You think? If I were to go out and play right now, I probably shoot. No worse than 85. I shoot better than that, I think. No but worse than 85. No worse than Whoa. 85. Okay, that makes sense. This is a good match. Me and Drew. I'm are trying you to give Drew myself room. So if, if I Dusty did, if I did happen to shoot a 77, then don't oh, don't geez. get mad at me, please. Okay. He said no worse than 85. If I happen to sh- happen no no shoot a 77, no you're re- oh, really, you're yeah. real good. Yeah. Okay. And, and I'm not. I, I've gotten a yeah. lot better. I used to be really bad. Where, where like- if I didn't shoot, if, if I say I shot an 83, I'd be really. 
I'd be slightly irritated True. and really I, disappointed. I would, I would actually pop a bottle of champagne if I had an 83, okay? I would buy, I, I would buy the <laughs> show another bottle of Dom because I know that it's never happening. Okay, so based on this skill set, if we can get out with Dusty, the logical pairing is I think I'm better than you, Cole. Absolutely. So you with Drew. Oh, I, I think. And du- me with Dusty. Dusty said Dusty was excited about it. You think Dusty's a better golfer than you? Right now, yes. Oh. I, I haven't I haven't I, played. I I haven't I've played, played nine holes of golf, Cody, in eight months. That's a long time to not play. It's a long so time. Dusty's definitely better. I, than I, ha- you I have swung clubs, but I have not try, played. S- try sixteen months. How about that? <laughs> try sixteen plus months. How have I played golf more recently than either of you? Well, for me, it's pretty simple. I just don't golf. Yeah, for Drew, I'm shocked to hear that is your answer. Okay, uh, we'll, I know. We'll, I, we'll work I, out whether it's this week at some point. We'll, we'll get this figured out. Let's do out. our version we'll, of the we'll, match. We'll have to do some fun videos, and, and some, we'll, we'll do this at some God, point. People are going to break down your swing, dude, and my swing. Oh, it's going to be really tough There's for nothing us. to break down, okay? The whole thing, there's nothing to break <laughs> well, down about the swing. There's mockery. There's, there's open to, mockery yeah. of my swing. Yeah, there's, there's nothing to break down, I'm though. just the shooting whole, off into the woods. The whole thing is off is what it is. I'm yeah. speaking for my brother. The next time that he's in town, since he is a teaching pro, that's he, what we need. He, he can will give he be you guys, our four caddy? Uh, he, he, can, he will come along and give you guys lessons. That sounds great. And I'm speaking for him. So the next time he comes uh, here to, to visit, we'll have to play golf for sure. It's going to have to be during a warmer time because we thought about it when he was here. Um, he, he lives in West Palm Beach, though, and he thought 40. Well, that's why he golfs all the time, too. Well, well, yeah, West that, Palm, but, but, I'll tell you this. If I grew up in West Palm Beach, I probably would have been a lot better at golf as well. I would have same. just been something we would have done. Or if I just grown up rich. It, it was. It, what, what was it on um, on Thursday of last week when, when I was off? Uh, it was like 55 degrees or 58. He was like, dude, it's freezing cold outside right now. I, I don't know what to do with myself. Oh, it's great. I was ready to do shorts West in Palm Beach. Spend my entire time outside. There you go. That's the random question of the day. We'll work on the golf thing. I think that'd be a fun video series for us. Mm-hmm. Our version of the match. A lot of listeners are offering up opportunities too. I, I do think this is uh, something I will just tell you. We know we've at some point in time we got to do either a show like a, a show golf event or station like an golf outing. Event. Yeah, yeah, we got it. We got an do. outing. We've talked about in the past getting the uh, entire station to do some almost like whether it's a golf tournament or something. Somebody's offering up free free lessons. Are for you, you a Cody? pro or are you just like good at golf? Either way, either I'll works. take them. Yeah, there's no way you're worse than me. Just fix my swing. You know, you know, it's really Is bad. That my game? Walking, just, just fix my swing. That's what you're going <laughs> to No, s- Actually, where I really need the most help, where most golfers need the most help is I've got absolutely zero short game. No touch oh, around. Yeah, the that's green. where it starts. Terrible. You gotta- it's the worst part of my game by far. I'm better with like a mid iron or any like no short mm. game to speak of. You got to have Horrible. touch. Horrible. <laughs> so help me there. Then maybe I can. I don't know, shoot 92 and be happy with myself. All right, coming up next, we'll get back into where the NFL is headed this offseason and why it's great news for the Chiefs. Plus, what happened in Columbia over the weekend? And does it tell us anything bigger picture about what's going on there from an athletic standpoint next? One o'clock hour here on Cody and Gold. Coming up in about a half hour, you'll hear our conversation we had earlier today with Chiefs defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo. He joined us. Fresh off that contract extension, fresh off another Super Bowl title. And we talked about his future and and aspirations in the coaching world and also uh, what he had to say about, frankly, the IQ of this defense. And he said kind of the the get it factor. And you asked him the question about, is it the most talented defense he's ever had? And he was hesitant to, to, to compare in that regard. But from a get it 
and understand the defense and, and kind of that trust factor. Um, very, very high praise he gave for Nick Bolton, Justin Reed, and others. So you'll hear that conversation coming up at 1.30 here on 610 Sports Radio. As far as the offseason decision-making from Brett Veach and company, the one good thing that could come from all of the uh, gambling money and TV deals is that the cap might even be going up higher than they projected. 243, $243 million is what a lot of people believe it's going to be. But uh, over at Pro Football Talk, there was... Uh, some ex- I'd say some expectation that it might actually now be much higher than that. As in, if they really don't cap it, it could be $250 million. But they're afraid about letting it get that high. Like the article's implying that the NFL doesn't want to jump it too fast, too quick, because that could send an interesting shockwave through the free agency market. And they don't know if it'll keep going up at that level in perpetuity. And if it does, or if it doesn't, that some of these teams would handicap themselves. But also, that's your job as a team. No offense. The collective bargaining is set up away for a reason, which is a certain percentage of the revenue coming into the building gets turned into salary cap space in which teams are allowed to spend. And if the Chiefs are willing to go to that maximum dollar amount, which they are most years, of $243 million and some other teams aren't, screw them. That doesn't seem like a Chiefs problem. This is the best possible news for the Chiefs at the best possible time. If the cap is really going to jump that number, perfect. Patrick Mahomes was already the highest cap hit quarterback in the NFL last year, and they won the Super Bowl. His cap number is getting ready to go up by less than the amount the cap would actually jump. When you start factoring in that, plus what Chris Jones was owed, plus what all these other players were already making, and the fact that they've got to make decisions on guys like Drew Tranquil, um, we've already talked about, obviously, Jerry Sneed and Chris Jones and some of the big dollar ones, but even the small-named players like Mike Dana that you would need payment for, this could give you the ability to not get any worse at all. Normally, following a Super Bowl, the reality is your roster has to weaken a little bit or you got to pray that your young players step up in a way. This year was about to be more brazen in that from a defensive perspective than last year. Because last year, they got to bring back Snead and bring back Jones. We didn't think they could bring back both this year, necessarily. If the cap number really jumps that much, it's at least plausible, Gold. Doesn't mean for sure, but it opens up the door, the possibility. It gives you more flexibility, no doubt. I think it's not just what it is projected to be this year, but of course, it's it's going to be, do you think this same increase is going to happen in 2025, 2026, and beyond. And other than the COVID year, we know that it does go up every year. I mean, there's just so much money that is generated by this league. And what other avenues are they going to continue to find ways to, to bring in revenue? You know, what's the next What's the next big thing? You know, They're couple, just going to keep selling more uh, streaming games. Right, exactly. And so a couple of years ago, the big thing was the sports betting money. Uh, then it was Amazon now has the Black Friday game. Okay, there's more revenue. So, yeah, what's what's the next? We, we know that Peacock game was on wild, the Wild Card Weekend Peacock game that everybody freaked out about. There will be – there's already a report Amazon that, already bought a playoff game for next year. Yeah, yep. so that that is where the money is going to – international aspirations to continue to expand. So that's how it's going to keep on going up. And for Kansas City, when you already have the most important position figured out and he's the best at his position in Patrick Mahomes and he's under contract, even if you have to restructure in a couple of years, the, the increase helps out everybody in the league. But it, it certainly helps you out even more when you're starting to have a bunch of young players over the next few years that you drafted well. We, when, when you mentioned how great the draft class was a couple of years ago, at some point it's going to be time to pay that, that class. Yep. And they're going to see that in about two years. 
when they have to make a decision on somebody like Karloftis and McDuffie at the same time. Trey and Creed will be the year before that, and they'll have to start really, yeah, coming to those. I would look to back up again. Peacock, this year for the playoff game, paid $110 million for a single game. <laughs> for one singular NFL game. This is also why the NFL is expanding to international markets. Yeah. That's another place that they're planning on increasing these revenues. I'm just saying specific for this year, if this is going to be a massive jump year for cap, well, that feels like pretty good timing for a team that is going for a three-peat and might need to be buying an expensive defensive lineman, an expensive tackle, or an expensive wide receiver. Presumably, they're going to pay for two out of those three. Not to mention and the deal they th- might try to get done with Snead or, or, a, or a franchise tag with Snead. This opens up this year in particular as being a really good year for cap to jump. They also will probably have a few options like they do every year with restructures. You know, Mahomes' contract gives them the flexibility they to like do twenty five so. million around the year. If, if, if they, they really, yeah, exactly. If they really wanted to free up, that's the kind of money they could free up on top of what they already will have available. And they have some tough de- decisions to make. Let's not kid ourselves. Of I mean, they 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 do have some holes across the roster, even coming off a championship. I mean. Whether or not they're confident Wani Morris is going to determine whether or not they have to spend a significant amount of money if they choose free agency to find a long-term answer at left tackle. By long-term, we're talking for the next three years. Um, or are they going to spend their top pick in the draft at 32 on a tackle? Those are the questions that are going to be determined over the next couple of weeks, obviously. Going forward, who do they try to uh, renegotiate with? Are they going to flat-out cut some of the players like Tony and MVS? There's dead cap there, but could there be some flexibility. All those kind of things are, are going to have to be sorted out, but they are in, in still a pretty damn good spot considering, like you said, normally if you're coming off of uh, multiple championships, you're like, oh, you know, you, you you screwed yourself in the future, which is why when you and I were discussing earlier on in the show about selling yourself be, being out. all in, look, I think they're always all in and that's their mindset because of Mahomes, but why you don't want to, you, you don't have to make the, what I would consider uh, dumb decisions just for one year because you know that you're trying to continue. And they've, they've done such a good job of dragging this window out. And I feel like that this is an opportunity where it's like you've been saving, saving, saving your money gold and you can buy this car in cash. Just buy it. The Chiefs have been so smart with their money. Brant Tillis is now gone, but they've been incredibly yeah. smart with their money, with the resources they've allocated where the decision to trade Tyree kill and bring in these young defensive players so that they could spend money elsewhere. And for a team that is back to back Super Bowl champion, You'd be shocked. Most people would be shocked to find out they're 17th most in cap space next year of the playoff teams from just this last year who have more cap space than them. The Houston Texans at five. The Lions have the eighth most. End of list. The only other one you would argue that's in a better financial spot is the Bengals have the seventh most cap space available to them. Money that they're probably going to have to allocate partially to Jamar Chase. We think. Maybe they could wait one more year on that, but it, but that's like every other playoff team, every other contending team is below them in cap space. So now, so if it's going to jump, if they're going to have more than the 23 million, they currently have in projected cap space because the cap's getting ready to go even higher than they thought. Well, I mean, they're going to be there and look, that's based on a 242 million. It could go higher than that, as we previously said, but if, even if that's the case, 17 most, I mean, they got all the space in the world to do whatever they want this year and are back-to-back defending Super Bowl. This is more money than they had last year. It is. Might have been more money than they had the year before. 
It is more money than last year, but also this year. More to replace. You're, this year, you're either going to have $19 million guaranteed on a franchise tag with Snead. Last year, they had for a while until the restructure with Chris Jones. They had, what was it? What was the cap hit last year for franchise tag on a defensive lineman, Chris? I don't remember. But this 20, is also ignoring the fact they'll get $11 million more once they DF, you know, once they get rid of MVS. Yeah, instance. there's some dead cap associated with it, but still can also free, free, free. 14 yes. million is a total cap hit. So there's multiple areas. Now, on the flip side, right, they also will, at some point, they will still need to have five or six receivers. So they're going to, yeah. whether it's through the draft or free agency, they're going to, even if they, they sign some lesser wide receiver to be the fourth receiver on the team on top of signing up what we view as a big-time free agent wide receiver, they've got flexibility. This is one of those where it's like the option A, B, C, and D. How... How many off seasons do you think they've actually got their option A, and how many off seasons have they had to go down to option C? We know initially Orlando Brown Jr. a couple of years ago was not their first option. We know they wanted Trent Williams. Yep, we know they were and very Sydney close. They had Trent Williams on the hook, and then the 49ers. His old buddy Kyle Shanahan yeah. came. Calling. So then the Chiefs pivoted, uh, and they ended up trading for Orlando Brown Jr. And despite how people feel, it still worked out in a very very nice way for them. And I think they got to do something similar at left tackle or wide receiver this off season. So meaning. Option A, free agency, maybe, if not being able to pivot to trading for somebody, and even if that involves draft picks in the uh, in the draft coming up. I think you end up paying two out of three. Left tackle, defensive tackle, and uh, wide receiver. Two of those three is going to be paid. The other one's just going to have to be via draft or, like, in the left tackle case, be Wanye Morris. For the defensive line case, it would just be like, no, we actually do really love Felix and UDK Uzama. We just didn't play him because the line was too deep. Or some other version of that. But those are the decisions they'll have to come to eventually. We haven't talked a lot of college basketball yet. We're around the corner from March Madness, which is nuts. Yeah. Um, Because it doesn't take all that long to get to March Madness when your team, for the NFL perspective, plays through mid-February, then does a parade and everything else associated with it. But I saw something that if I were a Missouri fan would be concerning to me yesterday. When all, you know, like we've seen plenty of uh, shift in coaching and all that stuff over these last few weeks and seemingly never going to stop ending the coaching carousel in college football. It was still going on last week somehow that that was the case. But Missouri lost their AD yesterday to a job that is definitively worse than their own. You know, I know it's worse. It's in a it's in the same conference, but or it's in a worse conference, technically, from a football perspective. And they're in the hole like a quarter of a billion dollars. Due to an accounting error, the reason why it's concerning for Missouri is she took the job and the complaint seemed to be took the job and nobody let her do the job. That is not a good way to get talented people inside of your athletic department. So Desiree Reed Francois was the AD at Missouri, just got introduced today at Arizona and she went to law school there. So there's an alumni factor being an alum factor here. But you're right. It sure seems like for someone that fast track to I mean, she was at UNLV went to Missouri SEC program on the rise uh, to then go to Arizona. And, and you're right. There's major financial issues going on at that university. They're also in the big 12, which is not the SEC. Uh, no. So it seems like there was clearly at some sort, sort of uh, disagreement. There was uh, for those that cover Missouri more closely in Columbia, some speculation that perhaps the board of curators, maybe in board of regents, I should say, maybe there was disagreement and how to operate. And yeah, maybe not letting somebody have as much flexibility as they would have liked. All those things maybe contributed and it's weird timing because they've been raising money like crazy in the athletic department. We know uh, Eli Drinkwitz in that football program is on an unbelievable oh, path right now. Yeah. And they, they've got a that's real you don't chance. Change ADs. It's bizarre. Yeah. It's bizarre. Uh, at this time last year, you would have said, Oh, their basketball program stable. They're having a really, really rough year. 
uh, in particular, but it appears that they, they've got the right football coach, I think the right basketball coach there at Missouri, and now they're going to have to have another athletic director search. It just seems like a really terrible time to be readjusting because all you want to do at that point is completely capitalize on the momentum, especially your football program has. Let's just face it, that's the more important. We understand that this is how it works, especially when you're an SEC school. That's how it works. She, since taking over, seems to have them absolutely cruising along, and then she took the Arizona State job. If, go a- a- Arizona. 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 Like, part of me would be, um, I would be more understanding if she took a better job. Does that make sense? Like, if she had just been offered the AD job at Georgia, hmm. yeah. you would just been like, wow, great hire. You got her on the up and up. Somebody else saw what you saw in her, and now she's moving on to even greener pastures. But to take a job, even though it's her alma mater, to take a job that is that bad from an outside perspective, I mean, you're just letting people flee. Yeah, so uh, you can believe it or not, but the the quote today from her press conference there was that uh, it's the only place she would have considered leaving Columbia for. Sure. She called it a heart okay. move. Quote, it's home. Quite simply, it's home. I know what the University of Arizona can be. It felt right, and it was an opportunity to come home. How long was she in Missouri for? Um, I have to look it back up. Because I think that, that that's – I think that not, – not that they played into the decision, but the fact that Arizona – not from or not that they're on the up, but football program-wise. so three If years. you can fix them. I mean, it's a great job. job. I mean, I mean they've, they've, she, they've gotten better as she's been there, and I think that, you know, they just made – they did lose Jetfish, but the football program, a lot of people are staying there. The basketball program is, is Arizona. I mean, they, they finally got on the other side of the whole uh, deal with them and the NCAA infractions. It, it, it's a place, I guess, she can rebuild again from or, or help get back to where they, it, they want it to be. I think her son is on the basketball team at Missouri, too. So something tells me he well, will not be on the team next year. Hello, transfer portal. Probably not. I don't know if he plays at all, but he's on Missouri's the been on the other side of that where Michael Porter Jr. His dad was on. Yeah, the staff. Uh, I don't. I'll say this: I never blame any of those teams that are smart enough to just hire. Like, I mean, Nebraska just did this with the number one quarterback recruit in the entire country. Oh, it just so happened, Gold, that Nebraska hired the dad of the number one high school <laughs> football coach to be a coach at their school, and then wait. Now he wants to go to their school? Do it. That's the way this game is played. College football is nasty business in that way. And there is no yeah. way that you should be outside of that. You should be coloring inside those same lines if you are a major college program across the board, play the same fishy games. No one will judge you. No one judged Missouri for getting Michael Porter Jr. by hiring their okay. dad. I mean, you, you brought it up. I mean, Kate, Kate, it Mario too, Chalmers, yeah. Chalmers' dad was on the staff. I mean, yeah, it's it's. Out, it, I don't know if we'll see it as much now with NIL because you don't really need to do that. You can you sure. can just do it through NIL. So I think the having quote unquote having to hire the the parent or whatever as a coach on the team in order to pay that pay them money that way NIL probably alleviates that. It decision. does give you that yeah. edge. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting. Coming up in 15 minutes, uh, you'll hear our conversation with Chiefs defensive coordinator Steve Spagnolo. He joined us earlier today to talk about another Super Bowl win and the future of, of not only this defense, but for him as well. Who he just signed a contract extension, and he gave us the answer on, on whether or not he wants to be a head coach again in the NFL. So that's coming up in just a little bit. Back to the NFL for a second from a contract perspective. Uh, the Justin Jefferson negotiates with the Vikings. I still, I Not a great start. Still think – 
they will get that thing done because he's that special of a player. But we all know there is a point where you, you reach a spot like the Chiefs did with Tyreek Hill where they, they said, all right, we're just not doing that and we'll trade him away. This feels different with Justin Jefferson. There's a structure issue, not a dollar amount. I think you can figure that out easier than Tyreek Hill all of a sudden wanted to be paid 28 or 30 and the Chiefs were like, we were, gonna, we were willing to pay you 26 or whatever. There's a structure and guarantees, according to Mike Florio, uh, what's holding up this particular extension and new deal for Justin Jefferson, who's 24 years old. We all know he's the face of the franchise now. They may not have Kirk Cousins there anymore. Who knows? And they have until August, theoretically, to get this done. That's why sure. I think it's way too early to panic if you're a Vikings fan. But basically, five years, $175 million contract would make him the highest paid non-quarterback in NFL history. And it sounds like the Vikings aren't worried about that part. It's the structure of it. Yeah, because apparently the Wilf family has a rule. And the rule is, is that they will not offer or guarantee more than one year of new co- new contracts for anybody except quarterback. You remember, they've given Kirk Cousins fully guaranteed deals multiple times at two or three years a pop, so they are willing to do it for the... the there's two parts to this that are a massive problem. One is they literally just broke this rule for TJ Hawkinson, so they just did this. For, Kirk, saying for that, Kirk Cousins. For Kirk Cousins, I think. Well, cousin, but Hawkinson, too. Yeah. Hawkinson has more than one year of his deal guaranteed. So, like, they just, you know, like when they had signed him. So they had just broken this rule for somebody anyway. So you're like, okay, so his deal and Kirk Cousins, so what's the problem if you broke it for more than one person? And that's not Justin Jefferson's problem. That can be your internal policy all you want. If I'm Justin Jefferson, I'd be like, screw you. I'm not signing a contract in which only one year of my contract is guaranteed. Literally every other team in the NFL will give me the rest of the money. The comparison I'd made to you earlier when we were sitting out here before is this is exactly what happened with Roquan Smith. If you remember when he got drafted, there was this whole big thing about with Roquan Smith to be like, well, they, the Bears, they do offset language. So they want to give the bonus prorated over time rather than cut the check right away. And he's like, no deal. I want all my money now, like most first rounders get. So pay me my money and then I'll sign this contract. Justin Jefferson should just say no. Unless you're going to guarantee more years of this. He's an NFL player. And that's the point that in my mind as well as franchise tag me. If I'm only guaranteed year to year, why would I sign a contract anyway? I think this is really stupid. I think, it'll get worked out. I think it'll get worked out. It's February. It's February. I think this thing gets worked out. We're not. The structure thing is a huge part, but also I'm more confident this gets worked out than versus, you know, Justin Jefferson wanted an extra $7 million a year. And they're like, that's a bigger problem. You know what I mean? I I think they'll figure this structure thing out, either a compromise or they'll finally just make him the exception again, uh, like they did for Kirk Cousins and otherwise. I mean, Justin Jefferson is the best wide receiver in football. Figure it out. And not to mention, if you're from a fan base perspective, there's a chance the Vikings, depending on what they do at quarterback, it could be rough next year as it's the team. face of their franchise. You know, I mean, if they don't have Kirk Cousins, who's the quarterback next year? Uh, they don't have one is the answer. I, I mean, was they like, would have to Russell draft. Wilson? Yeah, they draft somebody. They would have to draft somebody, and who knows what you're getting there. They're not, you know, the Vikings aren't, they don't have a top five pick. The Vikings were decent enough to not have a top five pick. No, you know, Russell you know? Wilson would be my guess or Ugh. some other random Ugh. vet. 
If I'm Justin Jefferson, I don't street. know if I, I don't want to sign. Maybe if I'm Jefferson, I'm waiting to also find out what the hell they're doing. Then right. I might agree to I might agree to this compromise more right. likely. Like you can't. Here's the other problem with this threat is you could threaten this if this was like year three of his contract. He's still two more years with you plus a franchise tag. And look, I know you can franchise tag someone twice, but you know what? The, it's so cost prohibitive to franchise tag someone a second time for almost any team for almost any position. That's why it doesn't happen. He's owed nineteen million dollars this year. Take the franchise tag next year which is all they're willing to guarantee him anyway, and then just be a free agent at 26 years old, handpick your quarterback spot. Like, no offense. I mean, if I'm Justin Jefferson, I'm not signing any contract that does not include multiple years of my contract being guaranteed. Just not. I understand it's the NFL. They're not going to give me five fully guaranteed years. Sure. But as a, a player of his caliber normally would get three fully guaranteed years, a fourth year that looks pretty promising, and a fifth year that's nobody's game, Right. You're not guaranteed that money. They're not going to pay you that money necessarily. We'll see how it goes. But for the three, that is not asking that much. And like these organizations that pretend like, well, these are, this is how we operate. Okay. Well, then you're just going to have to let some good players go. Royals probably used to have a rule in place that said we wouldn't play a player a hundred million dollars. Now they're paying someone 288. If you want good players to stay in your organization, you got to bend your rules. Real quick update away from this, uh, going back to last Wednesday, and the tragic shooting at Union Station. There is an update. There's going to be a press conference coming up at 2 from the Jackson County Prosecutor's Office and from the Jackson County Prosecutor herself, uh, Jean Peters Peters Baker. Excuse me. She's going to hold a press conference on last week's shooting at 2. We don't know if this is, you know, new charges. Just to answer some more questions, we know as of last week, the two juveniles were charged with multiple uh, counts of of unlawful gun possession and, and some other charges we, we don't know exactly what update. Um, I imagine our sister station, uh, KMBZ, will, will carry that. But I'm sure Carrington will update you guys on that during the show. But just a heads up, 2 o'clock today, Jackson County Prosecutor will hold a press conference in relation to last week's events out at Union Station. Coming up next, though, uh, we had a chance earlier today to be joined by Steve Spagnolo, Chiefs Defensive Coordinator, and get his reaction to winning another championship and. He told us what he makes of this year's defense that separated them from everybody else. What's trending? All right, let's check in on the hot topics. Trending, trending, trending. Number one on what's trending, something we had mentioned uh, coming out in the last few minutes. That is that it's expected to be a press conference with the Jackson County prosecutor, Gene Peters Baker, at 2 o'clock today. It will be around last week's deadly chief celebration. Uh, so we don't know exactly what that'll be, if it'll be any new charges or if it's just more of an opportunity to explain the process. But just a heads up, could be some new information uh, coming out around the, uh, the two suspects. Next up on what's trending local college basketball last night, K-State fell to Texas 52 or sorry, 62 to 56. It was not a good offensive game to watch at all. K-State's lost right now. Projections put them at a 1.5% chance of making the NCAA tournament. You would have thought that they were good to make the tournament before the year. Missouri has a 0% chance of doing it. Might only get one local team in this year from the looks of it. K-State's just struggled. They've never found that same success from the transfer portal last year. They, they're going to have to win the Big 12 tournament. Yeah. That's, so. that's, that's probably what I saw. They are. So, you know, Lenardi does his first four out. Then the next four out. Then the four out after that. They're, they're the third. The, there's out. eight teams that are out. And then they're listed as the next four after that. So there there's to give you an idea. Unfortunately, Big 12 schedule, you could make up some ground in a hurry. But that also means going on a winning streak. And this team has not found anything offensively for a huge yeah. chunk of the year. Missouri, by the way, will take on number five, Tennessee tonight. They're at home at least. They're 8-17 on the year, and Tennessee is the number five ranked team in the country. Yeah.
So a lot of points from Missouri. Be, a lot of points might be scored in that game tonight. Not a whole lot of defense between uh, those teams. Anyway, next up on what's trending, Jeff Passon reporting that a two-team MLB expansion is seen as inevitable at this point in time with Nashville and Salt Lake City as potential candidates. Now he's not saying it's going to happen anytime soon because they got to get this Vegas thing with the Oakland A's sorted out yep. first. So it could still be 2028, 20, 2030, but uh, Nashville seems like a lock as he kind of said there, to get a team. And then the question will be whether Salt Lake City gets the leg up over Portland. But uh, it would, you know, like any time there's expansion in any sport, it's always weird to start saying like, oh, yeah, the Royals are taking on the Nashville Stars. And the the Royals are headed out, headed out west to Salt Lake City to take on the Salt Lake City blank. What's your, what's your, uh, give me an example. What's the Salt Lake City team going to be called? Um, The Nashville Stars works. Uh, What's the, what's the Salt Lake City Puritans. I don't know. Oh, is that no good? Okay. Okay. Right. Okay, Cody. The, uh, <laughs> That's a guess, I guess. The John Smiths. <laughs> they can name whatever they want. I don't know. I don't have a good one. I mean, their basketball team's the Jazz. Obviously, didn't originate there. But no, uh, that one actually, uh, <laughs> that might be of all the ones that have, like, stuck with it, even, like, Lakers that, like, transfer from a different part of the country. That one makes the least yeah. amount of sense. Out of maybe any name in the country. So I don't even want to begin to venture a guess at what that'll be. By the way, it's been since, what, 1998? Last time they expanded was the Tampa Bay Rays. This is like the second longest gap they've had in Major League Baseball history without adding more teams. Um, So you kind of expect, like with the NFL too at some point, right? It's been long enough since the Panthers. And you start thinking eventually, you know, Panthers, Texans. Like at what point? Are you going to start getting new teams into these leagues? Seems logical. Next up on Watch Training, former Kansas City Royal Kelvin Herrera. No, he's not back in baseball. He was elected mayor of his hometown in the Dominican Republic over the over the weekend, which is an awesome story for a variety of reasons. I hope he likes the job, man. It did make me threaten the Gladstone mayor with their position, although I don't know anything about it, you know. We'll see. Um, but that's cool for Kelvin Herrera. It is. It always was kind of fun to see people in like spots you wouldn't expect him to be. I just remember him as a 98 mile per hour throwing reliever on the way to the Royals World Series run. And now he's the mayor of a town in the Dominican Republic. His hometown. That is what's trending. Thank you, text line, for the suggestions towards Salt Lake City. Like that's an NHL team. Yeah, it can't work. Otherwise, that would be, yeah, the Mountains. Only ones you can rename are cats. You can have as many cats renamed as you want. That's true. Salt Lake City. Yeah, Mountaineers doesn't work either. I don't know, man. I'm not sure what you can do. The magic underwears. I like it. Mm. Is there anything that I, I guess they're particularly known for? Not drinking caffeine. What's Wait, like the, the city or the or the people of the city? What's like the state bird? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, the state I, bird I, of I, Utah. I feel like that might be the the lane they go to. Oh man, I don't. Never looked up a state. The California gull. Probably not that one. That's a terrible state bird. You can't have a state bird have the name another of another state. state. That is bad. That is bad. Yeah. That's just that's they, poor etiquette. They do have a minor league team, correct? I think the the, the Salt Lake Bees, I think, is the. I yeah, might be way right. off. No, no, that's I, right. I think that is, is it. Bees? I have no idea what the significance is behind that. Maybe that's just what they. Yes, that's, and that's the bees. The text line, yes. Uh, we're going to avoid the uh, religious commentary on, on that. Yeah, I wasn't that's, going for... Uh, that's all the yeah. text line is full of. Do you think of, they'll have I'm a sure. hot tub for soaking? Okay. Do you okay. think Do you okay. think they'll have that? Okay. <laughs> Goodness <laughs> what are they be gracious. 
I'm, I'm just gonna, asking if they're going to have some fan amenities. I'm going to stay away from any fan amenities. religious commentary. Salt Lake City soakers. I don't know. Uh, oh, God. Stop. Stop. Better play Spags before you get in trouble. Yeah, I feel like, don't make I feel like the state bird is the easy option. The easy way to go. The goals. <laughs> Earlier today, <laughs> we talked with Chiefs defensive coordinator Steve mm-hmm. Spagnolo, and uh, we started our conversation talking to Spags about – uh, the last week, a week since they were Super Bowl champs, and if he's had some time to kind of sit back and, and uh, enjoy this one. Well, that's what we're trying to do right now. It's kind of it's a little unbelievable, but I appreciate you guys, Alex and Cody, having me on. Always nice to talk to people back in Kansas City. I actually am in Florida right now, so I am trying to embrace it all. <laughs> uh, pretty unbelievable. So a week after, you're just going to go sit on a beach. Is it just like my ties? Is that like your <laughs> ideal week after the Super Bowl situation? <laughs> Yeah, you know what it is, guys? It's spend as much time with Maria as I possibly can. And the best way to do that is to get out of town and uh, just kind of kick back. But we have family down here, and so it's a little bit about that. You know, it's an eight-month grind, a nine-month grind, whatever we go through. So as much as I can spend time with family in the offseason, that's what I try to do. But you know what, guys? The, The combine's right around the corner, so we'll be there next week. Seeing how, like, and look, I'm married too, Steve, so I, I get how this might work. I'm guessing because she's got to say yes to your schedule nine months out of the year that anything she wants yeah. to do during this time, that's a yes. Amen. You're, you're right <laughs> on. You're, you're dead on on that. You're dead on. But she's great. Listen, uh, I enjoy it, and it's fun to be able to kick back, especially after what happened, which is uh, just a blessing. You know, uh, we, 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 we saw all the T-shirts and, and Spags We Trust shirts. Justin Reed, I saw, is doing another batch of shirts as well as they've been oh, very boy. popular, Coach. I know I know. after <laughs> the game, at that point of the AFC title game, you mentioned you were even maybe a little embarrassed by it. But I, I would assume, yeah. though, you got family. I mean, does the whole family have the shirts? <laughs> well, first of all, I'm still embarrassed by it. <laughs> I've been trying to burn as many as I could. <laughs> and only only because it's just not me. But listen. I love the love. The love is mutual with Justin and all the guys. And, yeah, a couple of family members did get it. And uh, so every once in a while I do have to look at it. But, listen, it's all because we got a group of guys that, listen, bought in and, and did a heck of a job because you know, nobody, nobody trusts anybody until it, unless it's a two-way street. And those guys were terrific. And thank God we were able to do what we did. In some years up in St. Joe at training camp, you would you would always step into the mic and, and mention that with a younger group, yeah, it could you know could be four plus weeks maybe before this thing really gets rolling. But it, it appeared at least from the outside that from opening night, even in a losing effort against Detroit, that you had this defense playing at an elite level almost immediately. Why did this group have so much success right away? You know, um, I think if it, if we all look back at it, I think the what we went through two years ago, the twenty. 22 season, you know, with how young we were and we kind of built and got better and better. And then it, you know, it culminated in a, in a Super Bowl win. I think that gives everybody a lot of confidence. So I think when the guys came back, um, they had a lot of confidence in what we were doing, but you add that to the fact that we brought in what I thought was three key free agents, Mike Edwards, two tranquil and Charles Amenahue. And even though we didn't have Charles for a stretch there when he was suspended, I thought adding those guys in there uh, gave us a huge jump. And I think, you know, we just kind of picked up where we left off uh, the prior year. And, you know, Justin Reed was now his second year in the system. Because remember, when he came two years ago, it was all new to him. Uh, and then he, there's always a transition and a learning curve when guys come to new systems. It doesn't matter what the system is. But I just think we were all together. You know, I, I keep going back to this, guys. You've probably heard me say it before. But 
when the guy in the middle, and I'm talking about Nick Bolton, when he's as high an IQ player as he is, I think it makes all the other 10 guys around him that much better. I think that had a lot to do with it. How often in the season, I, I heard your interview where you were talking about that, that third and five play that McDuffie comes up with a stop where you guys are able to get the ball back at a time that could have ended the game. How often do you ask Nick in the middle of the game, like, hey, do you think this play is going to work? Because it sounded <laughs> like the, the way you described it was you liked it, you thought it was going to work, but you wanted a second opinion from Nick. Yeah, so there are many times over on the sideline, you know, in between series that Nick and I are having conversations about, you know, what he's hearing, seeing, what he likes, what I like, and there's always go between there. Now, that one was a little unique, the situation you're talking about. What helped us was when San Francisco let it come down to the two-minute warning, and you guys know what the commercial breaks are like in the Super Bowl. We have a lot of time there. So, you know, anytime you have extra time to think about it, we had one call that we had made that we were going to run if they ran a play. When it went to two minutes and we had the extra time, uh, the guy, this is what you heard me describe. I had another thought in mind. I went to my fourth down call list, and I looked at a call there. And I just said, I'm going to see what Nick thinks about this. And when I pressed the button to talk, you know, he can't talk back. He can just hear me. But I was looking for his reaction, his body language when I asked him. And in the minute I said, how about this? He was shaking his head. He was giving the signal. He was all for it. So he had a gut feeling. I had a gut feeling. And I knew that if both of us felt the same way, it might be something we should do. And, you know, fortunately for us, our guys went out and executed and it worked out pretty good. We're talking to Chiefs defensive coordinator C. Spagnuolo here on 610 Sports Radio. We also heard after the game, uh, I believe it was Justin Reed had mentioned, that down the stretch of that game, you, know, you guys maybe showed some things that you hadn't used all season long, and, and, and the players reacted to that, obviously, in an extremely positive way. How often, when we're talking about in-game adjustments, it's something that just from the outside we throw there and, and say, man, it seems like you, you might be one of the best at in-game adjustments as a defensive coordinator. I, I guess if you could take us into that thought process and, and why that is something that has been so uh, important and successful for you in this defense. Yeah. Um, well, listen, I think every coach in the league is doing that constantly. We do it a lot. The assistant coaches play a big part in that. I mean, you know, Joe and Brendan and Dave and Donald and Terry and all those guys, Alex and Rod, they're always kind of giving feedback. Uh, it's a collaborated effort. The, the unique thing about this group and what is so special about them is we just felt as a group of coaches that, you know, whatever we fed these guys, they would embrace and run with it. Now, not every group does that. Some guys like to stay in their own little comfort zone and not change things. But this group embraces that because they're a very high cerebral, high IQ group. At halftime in this particular game, when we made those couple of things that Justin Reed's talking about, I mean, they were, they were calls that we had somewhere during the season. We just didn't practice them that week. Sometimes I get a little skittish on, you know, doing something we haven't practiced. But with this group, you know that they're going to be able to pick up on it. And when they're nodding their head at halftime about, yeah, let's, let's do that, let's try to do this, um, it just makes you feel confident as a coach to call it. And that's what we did. I think, I think those adjustments we made, uh, particularly at halftime, helped us in the – I believe you guys would have to check for me, but I think we went three, three and outs in the second half, which was really, really key to get the, keep getting the ball back to Patrick. Um, but that's because we got a group of guys that embrace change and, and are willing to do anything. It's, it's, it's special to have. I think one thing that stood out about the defense is that there was no weak level. Defensive line, linebacker, corner, safety, didn't matter – you guys had talent everywhere. I mean, just from that perspective alone, does this make the most talented defense you've ever coached? 
Uh, that's a tough call because, listen, I've been blessed to be on a bunch of really good ones and some there at Kansas City. I mean, you know, we had talent in 2019 when we won. It took a little while to get going. And then, you know, there were other years and, you know, certainly along the way in New York and some other places. But as a, you know, I keep coming back to this. This is what the difference was for me because I think you can find talent everywhere. Uh, and, you know, Brett does a great job, Brett Veach, get, getting us talent for us. But I'm, I always rely on the, the football intelligence, what I call football get it. And this was the highest number of guys in one group that really had a high IQ or really good football get it. And sometimes you work with units that have, you know, there's, you know, seven out of the 11 starters and the other guys that kind of just, you know, they just, somebody helps them along the way. But this group to a man, they get football, they love football, they're passionate about it, uh, and they embrace doing anything. And that's a, that's a nice thing to have. Was this game Trip McDuffie's coming out party? I feel like here locally we've continued <laughs> to say he plays at that level. But when you aren't the interception guy, Spags, sometimes yeah. people nationally lose sight of you a little bit. We felt like this might have been the best game of his career. I thought it was, too. It's a great point you're making about the interceptions. You know, when he when he did get that, uh, you know, he, he's an, he was elected as one of the All-Pros, right, for this season. Um, well, not Pro Bowl, but uh, – I think the all pro, yeah, all pro. Team, yeah. second team yeah. all pro. I think. And I said to him after he got that, I said, Trent, that's an extra. To me, that's even more respect than most other DBs because when you do that and you don't have an interception, I think people recognize and respect the work that you're doing because let's face it, a lot of times those teams, right? People look at stats and and they say, okay, the guy with the highest interceptions, he must be really good, so let's vote him in. But with him not doing that, I thought it was a, an extreme compliment to Trent, his ability, and what he does. And I, listen, you guys have heard me say this before. The one thing about coverage guys is if they're doing their job at an elite level, sometimes you never hear about them because the quarterback's not throwing it there. And so for Trent to have gotten that kind of recognition, I thought was extreme. I, I still don't understand why LJ doesn't get the same, but you know everybody's different. But getting back to Trent, that kid, the key play he made in the end zone was huge. The, the blitz that he made for knockdown was huge. And he has other tackles throughout the game, and he's covering guys. I and mean, he's, he's a real key to what we do. Him and all those DBs back there are huge. Just another minute or two with Chiefs defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo here on 610 Sports Radio. Uh, when, we, when we look at uh, this, this particular run that this team is on, it seems like the players already very quickly, not shying away, though, Coach, from, from talking 3 P. What's your reaction to that? <laughs> Well, listen, we got, I think, I think these elite athletes that we have in any professional sport, right? They're prideful guys and they just believe in themselves. So if that's the next challenge, they're all for it. They love a challenge. This group, and I'm sure every group, I mean, you hear it from basketball players, hockey players, uh, you know, baseball players, the minute they win one, they want to win another. And I think that's great. I mean, we've got to have a goal and if that's the next challenge, then that's what we got to shoot for. And we know you're, you're obviously at least back uh, for, for this three-peat run with the contract extension to stay in KC, but we, we've been surprised you, you haven't got another crack at a head coaching gig. Is that something that you're still interested in? Well, listen, I'll, I'll answer it the same way I have been. It'd be great. Um, we always embrace it. We just got done talking about pride, and guys, I have some pride, too, as a, we all do as coaches. So a second chance, yeah, it'd be great. But if not, I always follow up with this. I feel really blessed to, to have the job I have, work for the head coach we have, the organization I'm involved with. So uh, if it's God's will to have a, another head job, great. We'll just we'll put, pin our ears back and go. And if not, I'll put every effort into the job that I have right here and enjoy every minute of it. 
you've got four Super Bowl rings, Coach. How do you uh, handle storing them? I think <laughs> Travis's brother Jason reportedly had you know left his in his truck for a little bit. Do you keep oh, them boy. in a more secure location than that? Yeah, I do. My my Maria takes care of that. They're in a safety deposit box somewhere. It's funny, guys. You know, it, listen, blessed to have four Super Bowl rings. You very rarely do get to wear them. Uh, <laughs> you know, they're so huge and they're beautiful. They're wonderful. Love them. I guess someday I'll put them all on sometime and I don't know, go to a banquet or something. But, you know, we're not real flashy people. So, we, But I will tell you this. The, the, most of all, it, it's not as much about the rings, and we all love that, but it, the relationships that you cherish, the you know, the later on down the road, the 10 year anniversaries, those will be really, really special because of the, you'll remember the guys you did it with and, and all the memories along the way. That'll be what's really special. Coach, appreciate the time. Uh, hopefully you get to spend some time here, relax a little bit, enjoy another Super Bowl, and uh, we'll, we'll catch up a little bit later on this offseason. Okay, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Have a great day. So that was Steve Spagnolo, Chiefs defensive coordinator. He joined us a little bit earlier on. Uh, in the show, and uh, he had been asked a few times already uh, about his future and uh, has made it made it clear again there. Yeah, head coaching opportunity. It's not one, you know, I, we, we had some people text in to us when we would bring him up in the regular season, and people are, are we sure that he wants to be a head coach? He's made it very clear uh, that he does, if that opportunity, but also he's in a hell of a spot and situation. He just signed a contract extension, and the text line uh, points is that everybody's thrilled that, you know, you got Steve Spagnuolo as your defensive coordinator for multiple years ahead. He's the best in the game right now, and this defense is young. They all clearly love the guy, too, Any whether it was the Inspags We Trust shirts or anything well before the shirts. It's easy to yeah. see why in talking to him, isn't yeah, it? I think so. Anytime the guy speaks, you're like, yep, I understand why they all want to play for Spags. It's not an accident that he's He's the only kind of coordinator who's going to multiple and winning multiple Super Bowls with different franchises. He's now got four of these rings as a coordinator. And in the postseason, this was his, like, somehow this is only his second most impressive feat as a defensive coordinator because he once shut down the Tom Brady undefeated number one offense in the league to win a Super Bowl and followed that up by facing the second, third, fourth, and sixth ranked defenses in this postseason run and held them to half of their normal point total as a group. And it's, you know, you're like, okay, well, when you got a couple things like that, you get all the credit in the world. And look, I know it's rare, but Andy being the kind of coach just says, please be the defensive head coach and leave me the hell out of it. That's a great thing for Spags where he's essentially in charge of one unit. I, I, you know, one thing we've asked throughout the season is like, how, why are they so good at these in-game adjustments? And the answer that you heard from Spags there was that, the players just pick up on things so so quick, right? Like they're yeah. able to make, they're able to uh, get coached up, number one. Defense. And then, yeah, he said that the get it factor, this is as good as he's ever had from that. You asked him about talent, but he said when it comes to just getting it, he gave the example of Nick Bolton and others, but across the board, they just are quick to pick up. And so they, he, he trusts them. He trusts this group you, a lot more than maybe in some other ones. You know why that's not surprising to me? is because before there were times with Spags early on in his time here where I was begging him to play what were clearly more talented players yeah, didn't trust him, maybe over much, less yeah. talented players, and he wouldn't play them. He would just wait and wait. But then when this last couple of draft picks, the last couple of rounds of drafts, he played Trent McDuffie immediately, Karloftis immediately, Watson immediately, Williams immediately. Like, he had no reservations about playing all these young defensive players like that man. Just second they were on the field, they played for Spags. That should have been the first sign that this was the get it group because he was way quicker to move to them. The other guys needed time, right? Even like Willie Gay. It, his, his playing time had to build up 
Yeah, and I still always think I still always think with the Willie Gay example. Remember that was the weird COVID off season when he got drafted. Yeah. So I still think that hurt his initial development into the league. And uh, obviously, signs right now are pointing towards Willie Gay uh, being a you know being somewhere else next year, barring somewhat of a surprise re-signing or something like that. Thanks again to Coach Spagnuolo for joining us here on the show. We're back at it tomorrow. We'll have Josh Vernier join us. Spring training well underway. We'll start up our weekly visits with Vern, talk more about this baseball team. Reminder, The Drive with CDOT coming up next right here on 610 Sports Radio.